Brace yourselves for Tad Sherman and Jeff Morris. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. What's happening, everybody? What's happening? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 69 of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, the host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Time Studio right here in Hayden, Idaho. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, well, I've got a really fun episode for you today. Um, I blame these two for my slight inebriation that could be uh, noticed in this episode, but uh, it's all about bear hunting, and, and uh, we talk about pronghorn hunting, a little bit of everything, but these guys are a lot of fun, and uh, a lot of people know them in, in Idaho. They're well-known dudes in Idaho. This is Jeff Morris and uh, Tad Sherman, and these guys are longtime and very successful bear hunters. They get it done with a bow. And we talk a lot about the baiting aspect of it, from the ethics to strategy to everything. We get into a little bit of all, and uh, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. It's really cool. So before we get there, though, let me tell you a little bit about Hoffman Boots. They are the ones sponsoring this particular episode, and they are the go-to boot company that I've had for a long, long time. And guys, you know that if they are on this podcast as a sponsor, it's because I truly believe in the product, and Hoffman Boots is no exception to that. Uh, I've run a little, I've I've tried and and put a lot of miles on a lot of different types of kind of, or kinds of boots, whether they're high end, low end, mid grade, or anything along those lines. The nice thing with Hoffman is you're going to get a very high end product without breaking the bank, uh, and they're going to keep your feet dry. They're going to keep your feet stuck to the mountain in the wettest conditions. You're going to go up and down without slipping and sliding. I love the 8-inch Explorers because I, I like that higher boot for the uh, the ankle support. Uh, you can get them in the 10-inch, or you can even get them uh, if you like the 6-inch. A lot of people just like those 6-inch Hoffmans. Whether you're going with the Hoffman Explorer or the Hoffman Summit, you are going to be in good good company, and you need to get those boots ordered because they're kind of all, everything's like back-ordered. Uh, right now and so you know you just keep that in mind so if you if you're looking for some new boots by the time you're ready to go out I mean spring bear is here but uh, you need to get online and check it out at hoffmanboots.com and use promo code huntsman10 for 10% off of those boots I promise you will not regret having a pair of Hoffmans the other thing that I need to mention real quick guys is we are really excited speaking of uh, of sponsorships if you guys are interested in filming your hunt and and getting out there and like you know capturing the footage whether whether you're just going to use it to keep as a memory or you're actually a content creator and you want to make like YouTube videos or you are somebody that really believes in the science of filming something in an effort to learn from uh, mistakes or learn what you did well um, that's one of the reasons I like to film all my hunts 
And so Tacticam came, you know, they, they came to the Western Huntsman and wanted to sponsor the show, which they, they did. They are a show sponsor. And so I've been, I've been using the Tacticam products for about a year now, but we were able to take it a step further. And, and we were able to add essentially the entire Tacticam lineup of products to the westernhuntsman.com. So I, I, again, I don't want to make this like a big sales pitch for everybody listening, but I do want to tell you that if you jump on the westernhuntsman.com and go through, go hit the, uh, there's a tab that says gear shop and you can go to either gear or merchandise, hit the gear tab, and it's going to give you all the uh, tech cam options. And we've got them, we've got a, a bunch of them on sale on there right now, and you can get them in a package with, you know, all the different attachments and extra batteries and, and different things like that. But this, this camera is really, really cool. It takes excellent footage. It's 4K footage, great audio. So you'll get a great camera. But the other part of this, guys, is I just didn't feel right about doing this without having the conservation aspect of it, of everything that we've talked about. So there's going to be a portion of those proceeds, depending on which product you get, is going to change the the, the percentage of the proceed, just depending on how you know profitable the product product is and whatnot. So it changes with everything. There's going to be some uh, what, whatever money we generate from that, we are taking that money and we are going to be donating it to various conservation efforts. Whether that conservation effort is wildlife management or public lands or access. Uh, something that we are working on in quarter two for 2021 is our, uh, sportsman's Alliance thing. So we're going to be donating money to sportsman's Alliance, which you guys need to make sure you tune in next week to learn more about the sportsman's Alliance or sportsman's Alliance. It's a very important organization. And, uh, I have somebody special on for that episode and you guys are going to learn a lot more because it's one of those organizations that a lot of hunters don't really realize what they're doing behind the scenes. So a lot of that revenue is going to be going towards them. And that counts. If you go to the merchandise tab and you buy the don't buck with public land t-shirt, that is going to have money donated towards sportsman's Alliance or anything on the gear shop within the gear shop that is always and that's just a that's just going to be a running theme guys that's not some special thing we're doing right now any gear you buy on the western huntsman podcast website uh, within the gear shop is going to have various percentages donated towards conservation causes because I'm serious about it. And you guys like the gear. If you like the gear, then purchase it from us because that way you're getting the gear and you're also helping uh, help with uh, conservation and, and those efforts. So that's my sales pitch for that. If you guys want to, check it out at thewesternhuntsman.com and just hit that gear tab and check out the Tacticam stuff. It's really cool. Uh, with that said, guys, uh, like I mentioned just a minute ago, it is, I mean, bear season for Idaho is already open. And I know it's, I'm pretty sure it's open in, in Montana, Washington, uh, most of the Western states. If there's, if there's a spring bear season, it's, it's opened up. So here we are. And I know for, for like me, I can't quite get my barrel into where, uh, cause I'm going to be baiting. I can't quite get my barrel into where I'm going to be hunting just yet because of the snow. So we're still waiting on a little bit of snow, but it's coming. So if you're not already out there, it's coming soon. And I thought it would be really cool. I've been trying to get these guys on the show for a long time to get a couple of experts on on Western bear hunting, particularly hunting with bait. And that brings us to Tad Sherman and Jeff Morris. These two are not just excellent hunters. They're not just successful mentor-like hunters. These guys actually put their money where their mouth is in terms of 
uh, being a hunting mentor, they, they introduce a lot of pe- people, both adult and youth hunters, out into the field. That's so important for where we stand as a hunting community, and these guys do that. In fact, they, they sacrifice a lot of their own hunting time to make sure that they're out there teaching others. On top of that, they're just a riot. They're, they're a couple of great guys. They love to be super sarcastic, and, and uh, they're, they're hilarious. That's why I like having, on, having them on my show. You guys know I like to laugh a lot, and so we do that a lot in this episode. I, I just I really had a lot of fun recording with these guys. Uh, people have been telling me to get these guys on the, on the show for since the show started, in fact. And if you're in Idaho, you probably know who they are. Some of you out-of-stater guys and gals out there might not know who, who these guys are, but they're they're uh, just just like for reference in Idaho. Most people know who Tad and Jeff are uh, just because they've they've done a lot for Idaho and hunting and the community here. Uh, Tad is a, the, the former president of Idaho State Bowhunter, and uh, they're just a couple of great guys that are super willing to share their experience and knowledge when it comes to bear baiting and bear hunting, uh, and just hunting in general. We talk pronghorn hunting. We talk a little bit about everything. So these guys, uh, they're fantastic, I, and, and I want to thank them for coming on the show. You guys are going to really enjoy it. With that said, without further ado, give it up for my boys, Tad Sherman and Jeff Morris. All right, guys, on the show this week, I've got a couple of guys I've been really twisting their arm for about a, uh, a little over a year to get on the show here. I finally cornered them, finally convinced them. I don't have to pay them that much even. And uh, on the line, I got Jeff Morris and Tad Sherman, uh, both down in southern Idaho. And we're going to talk all sorts of things about bear hunting, baiting, uh, and wherever the hell else this conversation goes to. Guys, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks, Jim. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for inviting us, Jim. Sorry it didn't work out earlier. No, that that's okay. Actually, I think it was my fault last time. So I'm I'm just glad this is actually perfect timing because we're we're sitting here, you know, mid late April, and uh, everybody's gearing up for for bear season. Some people are already out. I don't know how. I can't even get to my bear spot right now with all the snow. But um, and you guys are uh, like serial bear killers, and so I'm pretty excited about this conversation. And because this is my first year of actual baiting for bears, I've never done it before, um, but I have a whole like uh, bin full of Batum Ninos. I had to put it in one of those syllable bins because it smells so bad. Actually, it's, a, <laughs> it's not a horrible smell. It's just potent, you know. Um, and so why don't we kick this off, uh, Tad? Let's start with, sh- with you. Let- give us a little background on you and, and uh, we'll move on to Jeff and go from there. Uh, background. Let's see. I started bow hunting about the time I could when I was a young kid, you know, at, uh, uh, I think 14 was the age you could do that and started chasing bears probably in my early twenties. Uh, I've been chasing everything I can with a bow since then. Rarely, rarely use a rifle because, well, I'm not good with one. Uh, (laughs) I've Last time I took a rifle out, I told Jeff to treat me like I was a 12-year-old kid and teach me how to shoot it. So, you know, <laughs> just and I wasn't kidding. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to be offended here. Just talk to me like I'm stupid because I am. So it worked out well. I hit the target once. 
<laughs> so you're, you're pretty much, you're like, you're like strictly a bow hunter for the most part, huh? I've shot two animals in the last 15 years with a rifle. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was uh, it. And so, uh, I, yeah, bow hunting. Bow hunting's a thing, because and it makes sense, because uh, former president of uh, ISB, is that correct? Yes, I was the president of Idaho State Bow Hunters for seven years, but on the board for like 12 or 14 years before that, too. Sweet. Jeff, why don't you give us uh, the bird's eye? Well, I was uh, into hunting in high school, and all I really did was rifle hunt, and uh, then I got married, and um, I'm hoping she's not listening, but I, I figured out I have to find other ways to hunt to get out of the house more. So I started mm-hmm. bow hunting. <laughs> Just kidding about that. <laughs> no, I started bow hunting um, when I was about 21 or so. And then uh, I my first bear encounter was while I was bow hunting. And um, it was just an incidental deal. And I got it with my bow and I was hooked ever since and started baiting that next spring and um, had no idea what I was doing, but that was where it all started. How how long ago was that? That, well, if I was 21, it was about 21 years ago. Oh, gotcha. And that's when you started baiting. I started baiting probably that next year and not super serious. I mean, I, it was, I was one of those guys that thought you could throw a dozen donuts out and, you know, some strawberries and, and sit there and wait for them, you know, cause they were going to come running. And so like that, there's more happen. to it, huh? yeah the first five years of everything or 10 years of it was um pretty painful well i'm i'm counting on you guys man i am i am counting on you guys to guide me uh show me the light with this thing because i've just i've never done it so hopefully i don't have a five-year learning curve here but uh, i'm gonna give it hell there's in tad and i have realized that the bear baiting world is full of assholes. You know what those are? Where they? Yeah, I've heard. They, I've heard of them before. They ask you a lot of questions about how to do stuff, and you give them a good answer, and they still don't listen. They still don't do what you told them, and then they wonder why they're <laughs> not being successful. So I call those now, the that, assholes. <laughs> that's not just. That's not just limited to bear hunting, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> we just our inboxes every March and April just get slammed with guys. You know. What about this? What about that? You know, and, mm-hmm. and we try and help them out. And then you just see them, you know, did you, did you, did you go to where I told you? Did you put it how I, you know, where I told you to put it and everything. And it's always like, oh, well, it was pretty close or I found a, a better spot than where you told me to go. And, you know, and everything. Did you, did you watch <laughs> the wind? Did you do scent control? Do you, I mean, <laughs> There, there, there's so many things with it where people are like, well, no, you know, I have to hike you know, two miles up into it. Yeah. And like, wait, so you're sweaty and stinky when you get in there and then have the downdrafts going right down the trail and you didn't see a bear. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. I know it's, it, it's funny. You guys say that kind of stuff. Cause I, you know, I, I get, I get the same thing. I get an inbox full of all these questions about, you know, Hey, what do you think of this situation? Whether they're calling in an elk or, or hunting deer or whatever, uh, cause people are smart enough to know not to ask me about bear hunting. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and then they'll give me a recap and it's like, man, that is the exact <laughs> thing that I told you not to do. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, what, what do you guys do for a day job? Well, um, I sell insurance and I own the agency. So a lot of people say I don't have a job. Um, I just hunt, but, um, yeah, I always yeah. I figured out early on, I went to school, um, in biology cause I really wanted to be a conservation officer or a biologist. And then I volunteered with the fishing game for a while and realized, um, those guys don't get to hunt nearly as much as I'd like to. So I had yeah. to shift gears and find a occupation that would allow me to have the time and the money to hunt. So I think that, that that's a holdup for a lot of people that like, I, yeah. I, I considered that too. And it was like, you know, I, I could spend my time checking hunters and licenses and all that kind of stuff, or I could, I could actually hunt. And that, that's yeah. what stopped me. What about you, Jeff? Or, uh, Dad? Um, I'm actually a, uh, a roofing contractor. So I own a roofing company down here in the, you know, Boise area. And, you know, I have kind of the same background as Jeff as I went to college for to try and become a, you know, biologist for fish and game. And I worked for them for a couple of years through fisheries and through wildlife uh, on different projects. This is a bio aid and biotech. And mm -hmm. uh, all the guys that I worked with at the time all ended up becoming conservation officers. And I just knew that was something I didn't want to do. And really most of them still are conservation officers and, you know, I'm still great friends with them and think highly of their work. So we appreciate them and uh, get, get to joke with them quite a bit, but I just, I couldn't do that. And I couldn't go into something that for the same thing as Jeff, they don't get to hunt as much as they would like to. Yeah. And, yeah exactly. uh, I want to time out there doing the stuff I love. And so I went into a field that, you know, I get to go out and hunt and fish and goof off when, you know, when I can. So what, uh, you're, do you do like mainly residential roofing theater? Residential and commercial. Oh, do you? Yep. I, I'm, I'm in commercial roofing up here in the, um, you know, panhandle of Idaho. So we're not competitors. That's good. Cause I wouldn't want to, you know, steal all your jobs. No, you'd, <laughs> you'd go down, you'd go down to Chinatown. Man. I'm really good at selling jobs. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I have another buddy up there that probably is your competitor. So, oh, you better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fish him out, man. Tell me who it is. I, I know all of them up here. Ed Winnegar. Oh man. Okay. You, you name the one dude I don't know. Apparently, <laughs> he's a great guy. He, uh, him and his family have been involved with Idaho State Bow Hunters for years, and they uh, are, are very uh, dedicated volunteers and just fantastic people up there. So. Him one and th I one thing always joke around about being roofers and cussing and swearing and you know. Yep, yep. I know everybody's like, "Oh, you cuss like a sailor." Have you been on a roofing project, man? I, I mean, come on, yeah. sailors don't cuss. We, we make sailors flush. We exactly. And I, what I like about the roofing industry is is uh, kind of what you were just saying. It's just great people, man. Like whether yeah. they're you know, in the field or, and, uh, I, all I do is estimating and, and sales now, but, um, it's, it's just a great industry and it gives me a lot of flexibility because by the time like fall, all the fall hunts, but everybody's done worrying about roofing projects unless they're one of those people that wait till the last minute. Right. And yeah, I tend to get really busy in September. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm in commercial only, so I know residential does, but for me, yeah. it's, it's all commercial. And I tell all my customers, if you call me in September for a roof, you are waiting until March. I'll, I'll call you back in like March. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so it works out. 
Good, good. <laughs> what do you guys think? I, I want to talk about, we, we started talking about baiting bears and there, there's this thing that I didn't know, um, exists. And it's this, this, you know, ethical question of whether we should be able to bait bears or not bait bears. So I, I didn't know this existed. And I've, I've just been talking about it because I had, um, uh, Scott Schmid actually referred me to, uh, Jess Gann to, to get her on the show. And she owns Batum 907. And, uh, we ended up having a great conversation and now I have all this Batum 907 product. Uh, and I've been talking freely about it. Well, I've been getting a, a few nasty emails about baiting bears. And I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding. And I, I, I kind of want to ask what, what your guys' take is for people that may, may not understand it and, and have like a lot of misconceptions about the, the ethical side or the sportsmanship side or whether, you know, a bear baiter is less of a hunter than a spot and stock hunter kind of thing. What do you guys have a take on that? Yeah, we both are pretty, have pretty strong opinions on it. Send um, me that traffic. Yeah. Let's talk about I'll, it. Uh, I'll go, go first. Yeah. Tad's, yeah. Tad's good at eloquently speaking about that stuff, but I'm more of a, you know, emotional wear my heart on my sleeve guy when it comes to it. Cause it, it drives me batty when somebody says, you know, quote, you, oh, you bait bears, you should try hunting them, unquote. Mm. And, and you're like, well, have you ever, have you ever baited? And um, because I, I do all bear hunting. I hound hunt, I bait, and I spot and stalk. And I love them all, and I love them all for different reasons. You know, sure. if you've never chased some, bear, uh, some bears with dogs, you're missing I know. I, I'd it's, love you know, to do that. I'd love to do it's, that. It's awesome. And yeah. And it's not easier, you know, especially if you have the, if you're the guy with the hounds, it's not easy at all to, you know, the work goes into them much before the season starts and, you know, baiting is a lot of the same thing. You put in a lot of work, you know, finding the areas, finding the bait and, you know, getting it all put together. And then you're packing bait, you know, you're doing a lot of hard work before you ever step in the woods to do any, to do any hunting. Um, and and the spot and stock's fun. That's the stuff we do when we just want to get out and enjoy the weather and, you know, walk around and, and look for bears and watch bears doing, you know, bear things. And yeah. so it drives me nuts when I see one faction of hunters putting down another because we get so much, you know, pushback from the Humane Society and all these, you know, anti-hunting organizations that we don't need to be hammering ourselves and we don't need to be, you know, elitists you know, where we're telling one person what they're doing is not real hunting compared to what yep. they do. Um, That's and we just need to stick together with it. But I, I love baiting for the fact that when we take new hunters, whether they're, you know, 12, 10 years old now or 90 years old, we get to sit and watch bears and we get to explain to them, look at their ears. What is their nose doing? You know, how are they walking? Which direction did they come from and which way is the wind going? And then we say, that one looks like a sow. Let's wait to see if there's any, you know, cubs with it. And a lot of, most of the time there are, that are, they're hiding out. Well, when we're, when we're spot and stock hunting, we don't always get that opportunity. You know, it's sometimes these, you know, split decisions, like, is that a boar or a sow? You know, and you have to decide quick sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. And with baiting, we get to take our time. And a lot of times we have camera, you know, pictures of them. So we know exactly what they are before we even, you know, sit in a, in a stand or a blind. So I like hound hunting because it gives you the opportunity to to look at the bear and make sure you're shooting a good mature boar. And baiting is the same way. And And you can set up a kid, you know, with a rifle or a bow. And he has all the time in the world as long as you set it up correctly. And it's not rushed, and and we get to explain things. Um, and spot and stock is good exercise. It's you know it's great to get out and you know especially if you're in your elk or deer hunting spot, you know you're yeah. you're learning the area at a different time of the year. The animals are there, and you're getting to watch them. Things like that. It's great scouting and hunting. Um, so I it drives me nuts that that hunters go against other hunters, and Arizona just is in the midst of learning this because they, a faction went after people with game cameras. Yep. And same with Utah and Utah. And it was interesting because on Facebook and these Arizona and Utah groups, you know, half the people were like, well, if you use a game camera, you're cheating. So why don't you try hunting the old style way? You know, the same guy that has a thousand dollar scope, a two thousand dollar rifle, you know, and, <laughs> right? And his range range finder and all this stuff, and it's and that's guided, all great guided yeah. missiles. Yeah, and you're like, that's great. I don't, I commend you for having all that nice stuff, but that's not old fashioned either. And so, yeah. Um, now that they don't have cameras, well, guess what happened? Now in Arizona, the Humane Society is going after lion hunting, bear hunting. And all predator hunting. And and all the guys that were sitting around saying, why don't you try hunting? Now they're like, oh, man, we better get together and fight these guys. Well, the people that just lost the battle with the game cameras are like, you know what? You told me to piss off a month ago, so why don't you piss off? I'm not helping you. Yep. And that's the problem. Yeah, that's you. You hit it. You you hit the nail on the head with that one, Jeff. And and that's one of the fundamental conversations that we have on this show specifically. And and actually, one of the fundamental reasons why I started this show is because what what you're talking about with the infighting within the hunting community itself. You know, the 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 baiters versus the spot and stock versus the hound guys, the bow hunters versus the rifle hunters versus the muzzle loaders, the the Sitka guys versus the first light camo versus the scree yeah you know all these things and, and boots boots are another freaking uh, <laughs> t- t- high tension like it, they're freaking boots man you know i have I, I have the type of boots i love and if you want if you want to take my recommendation great if not i don't care i don't know why it's worth getting in a fight and social media yeah. amplifies this and and well, what you said about how you know we we piss each other off we're, we're, so we're dividing amongst ourselves and then mm-hmm. play, places like the United States or the, the humane society, of the United States comes in and uh, th- they're able to just pick apart little things. You're just, you know, you know, eating an elephant one bite at a time and, yep. and we're losing our, our hunting privileges, our rights, our, our access to public land, our tags, our availability, you know, all these things that are just kind of, it's like that nickel and dime, um, you know, topic that that's what's happening. And so, and they're that, brilliant because they find those topics that they know that hunters fight about. Yeah, amongst yeah, themselves. exactly, exactly. And they're well funded and they're unified. So you have you have like you were talking about the Humane Society. They you know work well with PETA. They might not have the exact same mission, but they work mm-hmm. well with uh, the 
the gosh, I can never, I always screw up the name of the Center for uh, Biological Diversity, which is a bullshit yeah. title. Um, yep. and, and so, so all these things, you know, they work together, but hunters, no, we're pissed about this guy's wearing Sitka versus that guy's wearing, yeah. uh, you know, some well, other even camel. if you look at some of the major, you know, organizations and how well they work together, you know, in hunting, they just don't. They're, they're yeah. all about working for themselves and what their goal is instead of going, hey, how can we work with things? You know, as a president of ISB, I worked with a lot of the organizations in the state, uh, you know, different groups of people. And it was fun to do. I really enjoyed it because we all really worked together well. And Idaho has that uh, that unique thing that most of the hunting organizations from the Trappers Association to the Houndsmen to the Archers to the uh, Idaho Wildlife Federation to all the groups try and try and do what they can to support each other. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I know that I believe you had Rusty Kramer on at one point with the Trappers Association. Sure did. Yep. Yep. And he, that guy's just done a phenomenal job of working mm -hmm. with other organizations and, you know, and uh, passing he, things that sometimes he, were not the popular thing to do, but he's trying to preserve a tradition and he's done a really good job with it. Um, yeah. And so for yeah. Idaho state bow hunters to support him is a no brainer for us because he's just trying to keep something going and, it's not hurting us at all by supporting him. In fact, it helps us in the long run. Yeah, Man for sure. Better. Yeah, and and with with Rusty, Rusty has he has the big picture in his mind. Uh, he does a really good job. There's a you know, and and I always I always tell people like you know how boring. What what is the point of having a board if everybody agrees with everything a hundred percent of the time? Oh, amen. Yeah, that's, you know what I mean. I, like, what what is the point? I'm on the board of the uh, IWF with everything. Yeah, and it exactly. just drives me nuts. I had one family that at one point or another, the two brothers and the father have been on the board and every discussion they would dispute just to have a conversation. And I, <laughs> when they got off, I was like, Oh, I miss them because I want, <laughs> I want great the point. conversation. I want it to be there because if everybody agrees with me all the time and then it's my opinion. Mm -hmm. it's not theirs. I want to hear their opinion. I want to hear their thoughts. I want them to think outside the box. And it's back to, you know, the bear baiting and stuff. Jeff and I will sit there and look at something and say, okay, this isn't working. Why? And have a debate of what we need to change. And no, we, we never look at the, we never look at something and, and agree on it rarely. I mean, it's not, we're not way off from each other, but it's always like, well, I think this is it. And I think, that, no, I think this is, you know, and, we and we'll debate it for a couple of days and then we'll try and change. And, and right and now, that's okay. one of you our baits, one of our baits has become 10 times more successful because Jeff's like, no, we need to do this. And I'm like, what? No, this has been working. He's like, no, it's not working well enough. Mm -hmm. And it has been night and day from that change. We just changed where the stand was. And it was a 20 yard change. And it has, I mean, just absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Sitting there, we know we're going to see a bear every night. <laughs> yeah. I, I sat there. I sat there one night with Tad, and he was trying to shoot one with his um, traditional bow. And you know, a bear walks up, and just we almost got a shot, and it ran off. And I thought, man, that was close. And then I sat with my daughter a different night, and same thing kept happening. And I was like, okay, Tad. 
<laughs> we gotta change something up. I, when I get upset or, you know, like aggravated, that's when I do my best thinking. You know, I gotta pick something. And so I told him, I was like, it's your bait. <laughs> Take it for what it's worth. But if yeah. we move that stand about twenty yards and the barrel, it I I guarantee you it's gonna it's gonna light that thing up. And, and that's the thing is you can't be stubborn to think that what you're doing is right if it's not working. And we watch so many people, well, I got bears at night. I got bears at night. I got bears at night. And that goes back to that scent control. Where's your scent at? What's going on? Bears, uh, we actually had this discussion within the last couple of days of people going where the bears come in at 8 o'clock. So I get there, you know, 730. Well, those bears are patrolling around your bait for an hour to two hours before you get there or before they come in. And so they know to look for you. Yeah. They have great yeah. noses. They're smart. They're the smartest animal in the woods. You know, they, they, they are, they, man. They, Out of all, uh, I don't, we have some crazy feedback and delays going on. I'll, I'll try to fix some of that, but just so the audience knows, we're not purposely cutting each other off. We, we do have a slight delay here, uh, which is typical for, uh, my North Idaho internet here. So anyway, um, it, it's, it's interesting you say that, uh, Tad, because they, they really are, they really are the, for, for me, when I'm out in the woods, I see a lot and I mean a lot of bear sign, but I rarely, rarely see them. You know, when I, the only time I actually see bears is when I accidentally just kind of catch a glance at one that is hanging in a tree watching me walk by. <laughs> and and that's happened four or five times. So so you you think about that with the as much time as I spend in the woods, how many bears have I walked by that were watching me that that I didn't notice? And and no, so thousands. Yeah, thousands. Now, thousands. It's gotta be thousands. Like they're and, and they are. It's funny. You you can you can actually it's just a, pure luck. I caught them out of the, the corner of my eye. I saw just a little black smidge up there, you know, and, and I, I noticed them. Um but and we're going to dive into to what you're talking about with the with the scent control uh, and and everything else that goes into especially specifically bear baiting. But I want to kind of circle back to to a couple things that that you had mentioned, Tad, in terms of uh, you know the the infighting amongst hunters and 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 the bear baiting versus versus other you know ways to to tag out on a, with with your bear or whatever. Um, Kind of expand on that okay. a little bit. What okay, can, so can you expand on? Belief, that? I mean, I agree with Jeff one thousand percent on the uh, how much it irritates us with the people going the bear baiting is not hunting. It's we we already touched on the you don't throw out eight donuts and they come running in. It, it's really not like you know setting out a buffet and bears just run in fast. I just said mm-hmm. they're smart. Mm-hmm. They're very smart. Um, to be able to take a bear that's over five years old, really tough to get one over 10, man, you've done a great job. You, you tricked a bear that has lived out there for 10 years yep. and knows everything that's going out in those, going on in those woods. So, you know, to do that is, 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 I mean, realistically, we do that every few years. And my goal every year is just to be able to see a big boar. If I get a big boar in, then I get to see whether or not we someone's there that's going to shoot it. That's a successful year. Um, get you know, getting them on camera, yeah, it's fun and cool. But being able to see one, great. Last year we were able to take some nice bears. It was a little crazy year for success. Um, we, you know, uh, we're able to take what five bears off of one bait. 
um, that we're all great bears. On yeah, six sets. <laughs> on a, you said six sets there. Uh, we sat, got, we sat in the tree stand six times. Up. Maybe somebody's got their speaker up super loud, uh, but it's it's coming back into the mic. I apologize about that. But once I, I okay, now it's gone. That's, so anyway, it's probably, probably me because I'm deaf. I was just gonna say it's Tad. He. He's deaf, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the well, other problem with the bear bait. Jeff's like, do you hear that? Hear what? Huh? What's going on? There's no, no talking voice. What? Like what are you I, talking about? I, I am legitimately, um, I, I'm almost all deaf in my left ear because because of the Marine Corps. And so I, 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 I feel the pain, Tad. Um, no no, no sweat on that. I, the, the one question I have for you, too, before we get into some of the more strategic stuff, uh, is is how come you guys don't like pronghorn hunting? Oh yeah, well, because Jeff can't see him. <laughs> he has trouble actually finding <laughs> them as they come in. Um, you know that's his struggle in life. Is that it, we've tried optics and spotting scopes, and you know <laughs> they come to the water hole and drink, and he just can't pick them out. <laughs> you guys you guys are a lot of fun actually to uh it's, it's actually it's it's really funny because ever i've talked to multiple people and they're like oh you need to get tad sherman on or you need to get jeff morris on but actually you got to get them on together you can't just have one on you got to have them both on and and that's been the 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 drumbeat from multiple people I'm not, th- this is not just one recommendation. The, the recommendation was getting both Tad and Jeff on at the same time to talk about bear baiting and talk about pronghorn hunting. And I want to, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the bear baiting, uh, I, Tad, let's start with you. What is your best piece of pronghorn hunting archery advice? Don't stop at the first water hole you find. Most nice people, that, when they're hunting pronghorn, go out and they want the easiest access they can get to. And they spend zero. I mean, they go out to the water hole. They hear that this is the best spot to go to in this area. And they find a water hole and they stop there and they end up with competition or other trail riders, user groups out there doing stuff. Go out and spend some extra time looking over the years. I'm a little bit fanatical about it. Um, I think I have, uh, I, I've lost count, but I think I'm over 13 water holes that I've been to out in the Hawaii desert. And just check them out, see which ones I like, see which ones aren't good. Uh, and I have backups for if mine ever failed or I need to move or something happens. But people just don't spend the time and effort scouting. They want to go to the easiest place. They found one. They think it's good. It may or may not be good. And it may be worse because you have more people out there in, you know, August 14th, you have, you know, 200 people out in the Hawaii's looking for their water hole or going out to their water hole. And it's going to push animals around. They can move. They can move hey, for a long hey, Tad, is, is the, are the Hawaii's, is that a draw tag for pronghorn? I, I'm not super familiar with Southern Idaho. Yes. All, all pronghorn in Idaho is draw now. Oh, it is. So, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah, years ago when I started pronghorn hunting, you could just go buy a tag over the counter. Um, and then about 2001, things started to change where it, it was about 275 to 300 people hunted pronghorn. And then about 2008, 
it was up to 900. So the commission decided to reduce the number of tags and change it to a 200 uh, for, for archery. Uh, rifles, as long as I've known, it's been a, a draw tag. But archery, they changed it 200 early tags and unlimited tag. And then just this year, the unlimited tag is first choice only now. Uh, because we've, again, increased the number of you know bow hunters trying to get out there and hunt pronghorn. So yeah. they're trying to reduce yeah. those numbers and reduce conflicts. Um, in the last couple of years, we've had some pretty bad issues with one of the major landowners out there where people are using their property uh, improperly. And they've been really great over the years with uh, allowing access on their land. What, what, uh, with that, Chad, what is using the land improperly? Can you expand on that real quick? Because I, I, that's important stuff right there. Um, closing gates, not closing gates. Putting up two to three blinds on a water hole where the cattle are trying to water. Um, guys pushing the cattle off the water. And then the worst one is there's a cow camp out there in the middle of nowhere that the guy actually had broke in and was sleeping in the building. Uh, and gosh, when the, the cow boss showed up, asked him, is there anything I, you, I can help you guys with? What's wrong? And didn't want to leave and literally had the balls to call and ask for permission to use it again. Jeez, man. Yeah, yeah that, so, that is a, that, that kind of behavior. We all know the name of the of them, and they've been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, talking with the guy that manages their, you know, hunting on it, he's upset. He's like, I don't know if I want to continue letting people on the property. And you know, it's uh, I don't blame him. It's block land. Yeah, I, I I mean, I don't I don't blame him. Uh, it's no. that, that that kind of stuff is it, people people don't understand. You know, you know, I grew up on in central Utah where we had we had these ranches where we're running cows and sheep and and closing gates and making sure that the uh, it's the gate thing is a big deal. And actually, I like the culture of it. Like if you were the youngest, most unsalty person in the truck, you were opening the gate and you were waiting for the truck and then you stood out there and you closed it. And so I was pretty excited the first time we went out on the ranch and and, uh, we're we're doing this and that. And anyway, we finally got to take my little brother and I was not the guy that had to get out, open the gate and wait to close it. It's a big deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, people, the, the lack of respect on, on especially private hunting or private property, that's going to be the death of hunters, that kind of stuff right there, for sure. You know, it works great because I, I use my back after years of roofing as an excuse. So I always drive. So Jeff has to get the gate. <laughs> well, he caught on because the first two he times. Falls, he falls for that still. <laughs> the first two times we went out, um, I, you know, Tad got out and I told him just to wait, you know, close it when I leave. Well, you know, I was planning on hunting for a couple of days. So that poor guy sat at that gate waiting for me for two days. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. All right, Jeff, that, let's started... let's go to you, man. Let, let's let's talk about your uh, number one pronghorn hunting advice. We I, I'd love to do a full episode about pronghorn at some oh, wait, point. This I, is going to be good. Hey, Jeff, what's yeah. your best advice on hunting pronghorn? Best advice for um, pronghorn. Go man. to Wyoming. <laughs> no, pick your pick your friends better. Um, I I I didn't I couldn't kill an antelope in Idaho forever. I mean, I tried and tried. I was like the guy Tad said. I you know found a good water hole and it was really good until seat, hunting season got there. And then 
it was everybody's water hole because everybody knew it was right off the road. And so um, I didn't know what I was doing. I went to Wyoming and killed my first one spot and stock hunting with a bow. And because as my luck would have it, it rained for like six days straight. And so sitting at a water hole in Wyoming was not an option. Um, mm. So I spot and stocked them with my bow, got one. And then came back to Idaho and I was still very unsuccessful. And uh, finally, you know, through Tad, I met a friend and he invited me to his water hole. And so my best piece of advice is if you don't know what you're doing, find a good friend that that knows what he's doing. (laughs) Dig it. All right. There you have it. You know, it comes down to location. And Mm -hmm. now now that I've done it, you know, I've shot several now. It's it really it's the time, you know, go out to the desert and find yeah. those water holes and watch them. You know, you don't have to sit on them, you know, just watch them. And if they have antelope coming in, that's well, a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. for sure. No, that's a great point. Yeah. And uh, the antelope are fun. I, I have hunted them in, uh, in Wyoming one time, but uh, unsuccessfully. So uh, we don't have them up here up North, man. So I, I, I haven't chased well, them for a long time. No offense, but it, no offense, but if you went to Wyoming and you were you weren't successful, then you probably aren't going to have much luck in Idaho. So you can I, just yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll just mess up. I kind of got I got distracted uh, with with some of the fishing over there, and I yeah. ended up I ended up fly fishing more than I was I was antelope hunting because I, I just re- I really didn't know what I was doing, and I was by myself. So yeah. I just didn't you know yeah. a few days. And then I was just catching fish the rest of the time. So whatever. No, but um, it's, no, it's, I agree. It's Wyoming is a beautiful place. It is. I, I, I know. Don't get me started on Wyoming because I, I love Wyoming. My wife and I were, were supposed to move to Wyoming at one point and the, the wind and the weather chased her away because she, so we're, we're looking and, and there was this news article that she found on the internet that was like, uh, it said, oh, a kid got attacked by a moose uh, waiting at the <laughs> bus stop, right? And that is what the turning point was. And this was years ago. This was when we were stuck in, in Utah, and I had a job opportunity in Wyoming pop up. And and so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm actually glad because Idaho, you know, you can't beat Idaho, right? But yeah. uh, Wyoming has, for a hunter, I mean, come on. So she, she got scared away by this, by this moose attack at the, at the bus stop where the kid got bruised by a, 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 you know, a cow moose that had a, had a calf with her or whatever. But now where we live, we, on a consistent basis, have moose coming through the property. When the kids were a little younger, I'd have to go out and do a moose check on our property to make sure there were no moose out there. So we we didn't gain anything. (laughs) So let's switch gears guys and, and start talking about baiting and come at this from, I want to come at this a little differently than I usually do with, with a lot of these podcasts in terms of, of uh, as we're talking I want to come at this from like a total beginner, somebody that doesn't know anything about baiting bears and hunting bears, what to expect, all these things that that go into a, a successful bear hunt when we're talking about bait. Um, can we start with the the really good topic? Tad, actually, I think you both have brought it up a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the wind and scent control, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Does that make sense? 
yeah. uh, whoever wants to kick us off. Uh, let, let, uh, Tad, do you want right. to do you want to kick us off with kind of a so, you know overview a lot of people on people? They don't they don't look at the wind as as you know as much as they should for bear uh, on multiple reasons. So that's why I'm kind of bouncing around there. Um, the first thing is people go and set a bait where they can. They go up above the road or down below the road, and they're setting their bait somewhere that's close enough that hounds can actually smell it. People try and get mad at the houndsmen and, you know, say that they're causing a problem with baiters. 99% of the problems with houndsmen finding bait is because somebody put their bait where the hounds are going to smell it. They're going to do their job. Well, can, you know, can I pop you right there, Dad? Um, yeah. when, when you say that, are you talking about that when people are setting their bait, maybe too close to the road, because usually aren't the houndsmen kind of running the roads until they, they pick up on scent and yes. then, and then going from there. And so that's, yep. that's the issue, right? Yeah. And, and that becomes an issue. These, these hounds are trained or just natural ability to smell a bear. They, they can smell. It's the same thing as bird hunting with a dog. You know, my dog can smell birds at 70, 80, a hundred yards away. Bears smell much more than birds. And if they've crossed the road in the last hour, two hours, three hours, those hounds are going to smell. Them. And so these guys set their baits up uphill from the road. And, you know, the, the morning thermals are dragging it down to the road. Bear was at the bait a couple hours prior to that. Those hounds are going to smell it. It's it's not the houndsman's fault. He doesn't know the bait's there. I mean, if he come keeps coming back and hitting it, yeah, that's not cool. But uh, most times they're like run up and like, oh well, sorry guy, I didn't know your bait was here, and it's in a really dumb spot. So trying to put your bait over the hill somewhere where it's not going to hit a road is it really important. Um, you can't have the bears crossing the road. You can't have the bears, you know, being upwind or downwind of the road where they or the thermals are going to change and the hounds are going to find them. Um, your scent, when you get to a bait, like we just said, we had to change this one because there was just a scent issue on our bait. And Jeff called it, and, you know, while it took us a little time to change it, it absolutely changed what was happening with the bait. Hmm. Uh, we had it about 100 yards different prior to that, and it worked really well until the local outfitter found our bait and started hunting off of it. Well, 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 we got to talk about that for a minute. You, you had a local outfitter find your bait and he started setting clients on it or what? Um, I, one bait. Yes, he did set clients on it. I had two baits up there and we were hunting one, heard the shot off the other bait, went over there and his, his guide got quite mouthy and, you know, used a lot of profanity about how he wasn't hunting off the bait, even though he was 50 yards over the hill from my bait. Were they, were they rifle? Oh. Yes. Rifle. Rifle. Yeah. God, you so he's been, he's been an issue up there. That, that has been an issue. There are some outfitters out there that they're so worried about getting a bear. They don't care if they're going to mess with the rest of the people. God, that's bullshit, man. That yeah. that's the kind of stuff that needs to be brought to the forefront more often. Like that that is bullshit. I don't care if you're an outfitter or not. Like you don't you don't have a right to somebody else's bait. And and uh, actually, Jess Gann and I had a had a long talk about uh, kind of along those lines with it because I was I was giving her shit. I was like, well, maybe maybe you can you know just set up on somebody else's. I don't remember. I said something sarcastic, knowing it was totally wrong. But she took it serious, man. She's like, no, 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 you don't do that. 
You, you know what I mean? And so, um, anyways. And she's fun to chat with. That she, she knows a ton about bear baiting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she has years and years of experience with it and has helped so many people with it. Even when getting in her product, there's so many people that, you know, Jeff and I both love her product and use it. And uh, so many people are like, my God, I spent an hour and a half on the phone with her. I learned so much from her. <laughs> like, yep, she will teach you. Yeah, she's and that's that's the nice thing with her. She's willing to to share her knowledge, and and uh, they they just they. I mean, I'm convinced, man, with this Batum 907 stuff because I, I we got I got a couple of boxes delivered via you know FedEx or whatever, uh, and it. My entire house and my entire shop smelled a bear bait. Um, super interesting. How? Uh, <laughs> actually, I won't go there. Let's let's circle back. Okay. <laughs> I want. Uh, Wait, did she tell you that we were assholes? That's true. She, you know what? She did. She's like, she's like, oh my god. Yeah, she didn't say asshole, but she's like, you got to get those two on. They they make fun of each other worse than they do anybody else, and and they're <laughs> they're a lot to handle, man. I don't know. You should get them on and try it though. She, apparently, you guys went hunting up there in Alaska. Yes, yes, we got to stop by and visit with her and uh, hang out, and uh, she got to put up with us for a couple days, and you know, it was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. That's awesome. Um, yep. Yeah, that'd be a ball. Did you guys get a bear up there? We were in bear hunting. We were uh, looking for moose and uh, ended up with this a phenomenal fishing trip. Oh, nice. Nice. I'm, bear yeah, the, bear. the fly fishing for the silvers on a dry fly ended up grabbing our attention. So we oh. focused on that for quite a few days. Sweet, man. God, that'd be a ball. Next time you guys go up there, you got to hit me up. I'll go with you. You're like, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't let, we don't let, you've never seen anything until you've seen a salmon hit a top water. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet for sure. It is absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We keep getting off topic here. And that, that was my fault. I actually spilled my, uh, I spilled my drink all over my soundboard here, but it's good. It's good. It's working. So anyway, um, <laughs> Going back to uh, the the way that I think a lot of people learn when we're talking about you know offering your advice and and things and obviously the, the just for, so the audience knows um, in terms of for for me coming at this from very much a beginner in with in regards to the bear baiting if if I were to of all the people that I know and follow and watch and all those things that when it comes to bear baiting. If I could pick a couple of mentors out, it would be you two. And and that the, the reason I say that is because you guys are legitimately successful, not only for yourselves, but you take a lot of people out and mentor them and they become successful. And so that that's an interesting dynamic that you don't see very often. You don't see it very, uh, you know, it, it's it's always kind of a, it's just one of those things. A lot of people talk a big uh, you know, a big game, you guys actually get it done for, for the people you're mentoring and, and yourselves. And you guys also have a lot of fun doing it. And that's important because a lot of people take the fun out of hunting uh, when, when they kind of take it to that next level and, and, and they just, you know, they're doing it more for social media content than anything. And, and there's no fun in it anymore. You guys don't have that. You don't have that dynamic. And so I'm saying that just so the audience knows 
essentially what it all boils down to, you guys have a lot of credibility on this topic. So I want to come at this from the, the way I always ask it in, in a sense of like, what do you think in, in your opinion, how do hunters mess it up scent wise when we're talking about bears? What's the, what's the biggest, like two or three things they do that screw it up in terms of, of, uh, you know, having the bears wind them, send them, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I've hit on it a couple times. Um, so I like this, especially if it's a new bait. I mean, I know people like to get up in the morning and head out for the day to find a bait and set it up. Um, but if you've never been there before, it's a really good idea to set up a bait around the time that you're going to be hunting it. You know, be, get done, you know, in, in the evening to where if you don't know what the thermals are in the area and then the prevailing winds coming down the, the canyon or up the canyon, if, you know, if you've got a water source like a creek or a river, you know, it's going to be creating its own wind too. And so a lot of people set it up in a great spot, but maybe their barrel is where their tree stand should be, or their, you know, something's just slightly not right. So be there when you would be hunting so you can learn it and then figure out where the bears come from. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Jeff, like, how do you know where the bears are coming from? I always say don't don't set up a bait if you don't see any bear sign, right? So, I mean, it sounds obvious, um, but with Tad, you have to point out the obvious a lot. <laughs> um, so, you gotta you gotta like say, okay, what do they like to do? Well, they like to sleep in the deep cover, and they love water. They love standing in the water. They love drinking it. They love walk. They love laying next to the water because it's cool. So. Most of the time when a bear is coming into the bait, it's coming from where it was sleeping or drinking just prior to. And most of the time, those are very close in proximity. Um, how how close so, are we talking? How when, when you say they're close in proximity to sleeping, feeding, watering, uh, what what I, is that in, I, in your opinion? There's, the, well, a couple of our baits are right, you know, right by water. And every bear comes up with water. And they've got wet legs. So that tells you they're crossing okay. the water or standing in it just prior to coming to the bait. Maybe a hundred, maybe 200 yards kind of thing. Yeah. And some bears I've come up in the willows right alongside the, the creek and they're, they're laying in there and they can't hear you because of the, the water and you walk up and they're just laying there sleeping. And so, you know, that's their, their bedding area. And so I always just tell people, if you're not sure, just assume that the bears are coming from the water up to your bait. And so you want to make sure you're not sitting right above your bait to where the wind's blowing straight down. You know, preferably um, one thing I picked up from Tad was he had a bait right on a, in a little draw, not the bait wasn't in the draw. It was, but there was a draw and the two little ridge lines, fingers, were about 20 yards away. So the bait was on one little finger and his tree stand was on the other. So when those thermals came at night, his scent was going down into one draw, you know, behind him and the bait was going down the other. So when the bear came up behind the bait, there was no chance that, you know, they were going to smell us. And that was a great idea because I always used to pick like a more of a flat spot or, you know, a flat hillside. And it was hard to, you know, because those bears will circle and it's hard to get your scent going anywhere, but just straight down in the evening time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so find those little variations in the terrain, but always, always assume that those bears are sleeping and drinking, you know, in the dark stuff below the bait and don't set the bait where they have to walk through a big open clearing to get there. Cause a bear, most bears, especially the big ones, aren't going to walk up, you know, at four or five in the afternoon and walk across just a, you know, wide open hillside. They're They want to stay in that cover. Man, that's and if a great they've got point. cover the whole way, they're going to, you know, be very comfortable. And so assume they're coming from the below if the, and make sure there's water below you and make sure that wind's not, you know, your scent isn't going to be blowing straight down if they just were coming straight up to the bait from below it. Um, and those thermals will obviously right as it starts switching, that's when they swirl. And those are just things you have to kind of deal with either get high in the tree or, you know, close up your blind to where this wind's not passing through. Um, Those those thermals are also important when you're not there to carry the scent. You want that scent to go for as far as it possibly can. And with that 907, we use the bait balls where they go and, you know, fortunately, we have Jeff's son who likes to climb trees and he'll <laughs> go up there 30, 40 yards up in a tree. And to the point where, we're like, dude, you're too high. And he's like, no, I got this. And he'll put him clear up there, but it'll cover the entire canyon. Yeah. Um, we've even had one guy that was baiting below us and he's like, yeah, I know when you guys put in your bait because I don't have any bears anymore. What would an episode of the Western Huntsman podcast be without me mentioning our sponsors that make this show possible? Guys, check out Phelps Game Calls, are probably our oldest sponsor. And Phelps Game Calls is one of those companies that inspires me and inspires a lot of people because it started in a like a garage and now it's one of the leading call companies in the industry. So I don't care if you're going out to call turkeys. I don't care if you're going out to call in bears or coyotes or uh, obviously the number one mainstay of Phelps Game Calls, bugling in the mighty Wapiti. That's right. That's my favorite game calls. For for me, I use the Renegade and the Maverick and the Phelps Pink Signature Call. I, I love all these calls. Whether you're using diaphragms, you need bugle tubes, you need external calls, they have it all. They have deer calls. They're coming out with new stuff all the time. And Phelps Game Calls are all manufactured right here in the United States. Started by a really cool dude that's been on the show a few times. His name is Jason Phelps. It's one of those companies that you could just trust. You can count on the gear. The the products are great. They're American made and they're ready to go. Get on PhelpsGameCalls.com and check out all the calls that are available. And don't forget to use promo code Huntsman10 for 10% off of your Phelps Game Call order. Next, we got Scree Gear, another one of the OG sponsors of the Western Huntsman podcast. I, guys, I love Scree Gear. You got to check out Scree Gear. If you're, if you're running around the woods in some Walmart camo or something because you think that high-end technical hunting apparel is too expensive, you haven't been on the Scree Gear website. I love the hard scrabble pants. I love, you know what? They, they got these Bridger glassing mitts, and I'm telling you, they will change your life. I've got a pair of these. 
uh, Bridger glassing mitts, and they're just freaking incredible. They kept me on the mountain this last winter a lot longer than I usually would because my hands are like one of the first things that goes cold when I'm sitting there just glassing up, uh, whether I'm wolf hunting or whatever. You gotta check out the Bridger glassing mitts. It's one. Of, it's like one of my favorite favorite things that they've got. And they're also coming out with a new camel pattern. It's it's, it's available right now for pre-order, uh, but they've also got the other patterns still available. Jump on there and check out Scree because this company backs up their stuff. It's got a lifetime warranty. It's also got the VIP sizing guarantee, which means if you order up a pair of pants or let's say you get the, the hard scrabble vest and it doesn't fit right, it comes with a pre-packaged uh, return slip that you just throw on the package and send it back and they send you the right size. You can't beat it. Guys, the price point of Scree uh, in comparison to the other high-end technical apparel that's available out there, will blow your mind. Check it out. Screegear.com. Promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Tacticam is the final one on this list today, folks. If you are interested in uh, or have done in, in the past filming your hunts, you've got to check out the Tacticam. I use the Tacticam 5.0. I've got a few of them. And I can control like two or three of them from my app. They're super cool to get those POV or just filming your hunt in general, which I highly recommend because you could really kind of coach yourself and learn some of the mistakes that maybe you're not paying attention to in the field when you're out there, especially like calling in that big bull. Get it on camera. Get it on film so you can go back and watch it. That's what I do, and it's made me a better hunter. And you, there's no better way to do that than with Tacticam. Tacticam has got all the attachments. You could do a head harness. You could do a flex clamp. You could attach it to your shoulder. You could uh, mount it to your weapon where that's legal in different states and different units. So make sure you're checking that and get all these different angles and film your hunt and put it, whether you want to put it on YouTube to get like, you know, put out the, the big time hunting content or you just want to keep it for yourself for memories. Tacticam has you covered. They've also got the Reveal Cell Cam, which I love. It'll send you pictures in real time and let you know what's going on, whether you're managing property uh, for like whitetails or whatever. I use it to kind of as, as security on my property. If I've got riffraff coming on the property, I'll know about it immediately. Also, if I have a grizzly bear wandering on the property, I know not to just send the kids out. Love that Reveal Cell Cam. You guys got to get you one of those. We're going to have some really cool giveaways coming up with Tacticam, so stay tuned for that because they also have other things like the film through scope. You can film right through the scope, whether you're target shooting or hunting. Get that shot in again. Check your state regulations, whether or not that's legal or not. Either way, go to Tacticamp.com. Check it out and stay tuned for some really kick-ass giveaways coming down the pike from Tacticam. So let's get back into it. Here we go. Hmm. So because they end up at ours. On on that note, when uh, let's talk about. I want to get to the scent balls because I, I I have a couple of those and I'm I'm pretty interested in them. But before before we get to that point, when, well, I'm when glad you, you have both of them. I'm glad you have the ball. <laughs> it works out. It works out in the end. Your wife <laughs> lets you borrow one from the podcast. Every or... <laughs> once in a while, she releases them. And I, I've got them. So, okay. Let's say you guys you guys pull up, right? And you've never been up this particular drainage or on this mountain. Um, and, and you're looking for a place to set a barrel. Uh, what What are some things you're looking for? Um, obviously we, we, we talked about, you know, that kind of triad of, of water, food, you know, all that kind of stuff, 
cover. Um, what what are you looking for the the specific spot to set a barrel? What what does that look like to you guys? Can can we get first of all? Can we can we get to it without walking between them and the barrel? You know, so some people set up a barrel because they're like, oh, this is great. You know, there was trees all scratched up and torn up. You know, there was bear scat. There was this and that and the other. Um, and they set it up. And then when they go to hunt it, you know, the bear's sleeping right below them or, you know, somewhere right nearby. And they walk by them to get to the barrel. Well, the bears always sleep near a trail coming in or out, you know, at places they like to visit because they can smell, you know, even when they're sleeping, they'll smell you. And they don't blow out of there. You never know it. They just get up and walk off. And yeah, they're just gone. Yeah, never see them. Yeah. And and so find a place where, you know, if you're if you're doing it right, you're getting there in the middle of the day and the thermal should be coming up the hill and they should be consistent. So find a place where you can get to the barrel and never have that wind go down to that water. You know, you're not walking through the creek bottom or, you know, you're not doing anything like that to where that scent's going to carry. It's got to be a place that that you just they don't know you're coming in because a bear, like Dad said, they're smart and they sleep in places where they can smell things and and then they check things out. You know, it's they they always check things out. So man, that's tough because you're talking about when you're coming in, um, you're talking about when thermals are going up, but they're sleeping in the you know maybe the bottom of the darkest part of the drainage. And by the time they're ready to get up and start feeding, which I always, you know, I never see bears with the exception, or or I'm sorry, I never see bears before 3 p.m. That, that for me, uh, very rarely, and that's probably different for you guys and and other people out there. But, but for me, um, there's only been a couple of of occasions that I've actually seen bears before 3 p.m. And so I don't know if there's something to that other than to say when you're coming when when you're when you're going to a bait site the, the the thermals are going up and then by the time that bear's ready to get up and start moving um you know those thermals are switching about you know depending on the time of year four or five six o'clock uh and going down and so you're good coming in because those thermals are still going up but but by the time he's ready to get up and start moving around those those thermals have shifted how do you how do you or how do you calculate that? How do you how do you kind of deal with that? Does that make sense? How I'm asking that? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So that's what I was saying is so you know when those thermals start coming in, you know that air gets cold and they start it starts sinking and it's going to follow you know that natural you know easiest path down. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I learned from Tad that really helped me was find those little terrain variances and they don't have to be big. But when they're coming up from behind that barrel, maybe it's going down into that little swell, you know, into that little draw. And then you're just, if you're bow hunting, you're 20 to 30 yards away. And that, that sense coming into this other, you know, the other side of, on the other backside of the finger that they were coming up on. Um, and you, it's never perfect. Oh, that, yeah, 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 that makes sense. So Jeff and I learned this a few years ago. I've got uh, one friend that uh, we take our hunting with us and. Jeff and I went up and sat one night and had seven bears come in and we, you know, just had fun with it and watched the bears. The next night I took her up with us and we didn't see a single bear. And then Jeff and I went up the next night and had seven bears come in again. Hmm. The only difference was scent control on the person. What what do you mean by, Tad, explain scent control on the person. 
Yeah. So if you're wearing clothes that you wore to work and then you go sit on your bear bait, you have more, you've got more scent. Um, even using, and I love all the, the, and I swear by this because it's worked, the arm and hammer, sensitive skin, no scent, you know, type of stuff works just as well as going and buying the, you know, $20, a 10 ounce bottle stuff at Sportsman's Warehouse to keep your clothes clean. Yeah. But you've got it. No, no perfumes, no hairsprays, no. Yeah, my mouth. Deodorants. I mean, I I literally shower with scent-free soap entire bear season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's our, that's our rule with each other is as soon as bear season gets here, just start using the scent-free shampoo, the scent-free body soap and the scent-free clothes wash. And the deodorant, right? And the yep. deodorant. And like he said, that Arm & Hammer stuff is pennies compared to the, you know, hunting stuff. And we do that every day, no matter if we're going hunting or not. Most people are like, well, I'm going to bear hunt, so I'm going to I'm gonna scent free shower today. Well, but yesterday you put on the, you know, your, your well, Axe Body Spray. I like my Axe Body Spray because it makes me sexy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, the... He likes to go crossfitting and yeah. <laughs> whatever else. So, I so mean, you hipster. We, that's our rule. That's our rule. And when Tad and I go, I mean, we're up in the tree stand laughing, you know, and Tad's trying to get handsy with me and I got to slap the hand. We're making a lot of noise. And so it's the scent. The scent is always it. Okay. And, Le- oh, go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off there. Oh, I was just, I, I go to work and I, you know, I shower in the morning and I, my work clothes were washed, you know, in the scent-free stuff. Everything I wash is scent-free. And then that way I don't have, you know, work clothes on that were, you know, soapy. And then and then we, I go to go hunting and I put on my hunting clothes that were scent-free. And we do spray down with the scent-free spray, you know, just to keep our sweat down and everything else. Sure. Um, and Do you carry that scent-free so stuff to the stand with you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because when we go in, sometimes, you know, later in that spring season, it's 80 degrees yeah. and you're going to be sweating. Oh, and so sure. we do, we soak our hats, you know, so, cause it will soak up the sweat. So we, we soak our hats and our shirts and everything else. Okay. Um, good to know, because that's always a, that's a touchy one. Like I don't use scent products during, I mean, I wear my regular old spice, cheap deodorant during elk season. Right. But I'm moving a yeah. lot. Uh, and I'm, and I'm watching the wind like crazy, but when it, when I switch and, um, let's say I'm hunting whitetail instead of mule deer, scent becomes a big deal for me. And so I, I use the old fashioned UV trick where I, I leave my, uh, my clothes outside in, in, you know, exposed to the sun. And that actually does a really good job. And then instead of uh, here's, here's one thing I think people mess up a lot when we're talking about scent control and, and one day you're using Irish spring in the shower but then the next day you're going hunting, so you use the no scent. That's that's mm. going to be inappropriate. Use the yep, no totally. non-scented. 100%. Yeah, use the the non-scented, and and it drives my wife crazy because I will not wash my hands with uh like the, the she buys these you know frou frou you know lavender lavender <laughs> uh, kissed by the the Lord's angel soap you know whatever. <laughs> Yeah, in in the kitchen or whatever, and she's like, "Wash your hands." Well, I'm going upstairs because that's where my no scent stuff is, and, and it's only during like whitetail season when I'm sitting in a stand. Um, 
when I say scam. Yeah. And, and same with, so based on what you guys have told me that that's going to be the same for, for all of bear season. So that, that's what I want to express to people that are listening. Um, it's not today we're wearing Irish spring or I'm sorry, bathing with Irish spring. And the next day we're, we're going to wash down with a no scent. It doesn't work like that, 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 uh, commercialized big box store type kind of, uh, fragrance soap will stay on you for multiple, multiple days, even when you think it's gone. So use we the have nonsense that does that. And he even elk hunts like that, but he really thinks he has to smell pretty all the time. And mm-hmm. I've taken about bear hunting. I'm like, dude, you, you, you literally smell like Axe body spray. He's like, well, I've been doing scent free all week. I'm like, but the rest of the year yeah. you put on gallons yeah. of this stuff to the point where your skin is stained with it. Okay. I, so Tad, I was, I was telling you that um, one of the reasons I was delayed getting on the podcast today is, is my house is on the market, right? And so yes. I, I'm waiting where I'm waiting out, you know, hiding in my neighbors. I, I use my neighbor's property. They'll, they'll let me park over there. I waited for the people that were looking at the house to leave. So I go back. I come. I finally see him pull out of the driveway. I drive over. I go in the house and somebody, my nose hairs about fell out of my nose. Because somebody was wearing this, this, uh, you know, stink pretty that I, I've no, I don't even know how to identify it, but it, my whole house smelled. Whoever was looking at my house to buy it, they're, they're wearing this stuff. And, and I think that what people yep. don't understand is that that kind of like it like secretes into your skin. And if you sweat, it'll come out like a week later. You know what I mean? And, and so, well, and yeah, and Jeff and I will be at the point where it's like, okay, I did not do enough tonight. So you go down there. Because you took more precautions, especially with his work. There's, I mean, I, I live closer to where we bear bait. So there's been a lot of times he stops by and leave a little early, but he showers here to make sure that he's set free as, as much as he possibly can be. And people don't get that with bears. I was actually watching one of the hunting shows uh, the other day and watched where a bear literally lifted his nose at 800 yards, smelled, and just turned and walked off. In, in your opinion, do they smell better than elk? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, no question on that. I, I don't know if that's and, an opinion. You know, that that's probably there's there's probably some like you know scientific evidence that, that'll prove that one way or the other. I just don't know. I, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, Jess Jess has the numbers um, on how just how strong they can smell. I think at one point she had said they could smell something up to four miles away. Um, they could you know distinguish Jeez, different man. scents. That's crazy. Um, and the Tad and I can tell you, Tad, Tad and I can tell you, you know, on the way to the bear bait, if we're taking somebody, whether we're going to be successful or not, because when you're used to just being completely scent free, you know, my kids like to hunt. And so they're always scent free too during season and his as well. When you get in the car with somebody, you can smell it. You know, you're like you said, mm-hmm. your nose, you're like, okay, you know what? <clears throat> Not probably not going to happen today. And, but you let it ride, you know, you take them. Um, and then you get to have that talk on the way home. Like, look, it's nothing personal. It's just here. We would, we go through all this work. So why not take that extra step and make sure that we're sent free. And I, I never, I, I took it for granted or, you know, I was over cocky. I found a really good spot to hunt, um, about 12 years ago. And, we called it the honey hole. And my son was, you know, he's just about to turn, you know, what are the coordinates? To hunt and stuff. 
Uh, yeah, I'll send them. <laughs> yeah, you can have them. You might be sitting on somebody's deck now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, never mind, man. Never mind. Never you know mind. that. You know how the state, you know, everybody wants the state to control our land because they know best. Well, they, they got control yes. of it and then they sold it. So, um, so we're sitting there and I told my son, you know, before school, hey, you know, we're bear hunting. I'm going to come pick you up. We're bear hunting. So scent free, scent free, scent free, you know, soap, clothes soap, body soap, deodorant, everything. And I go pick him up from school a little early. We drive, you know, it's two and a half hour. We drive up there. We get in the tree stand and just like clockwork, you know, at 630, this bear comes in and he's walking in and all of a sudden he gets right to where he can smell and he stops, you know, flares his, his nose up and just kind of does this real slow circle, you know, with his, with his nose in the air, stops right where he's, you know, right looking at us and then he just turned and took off. Jeez. And it was at that point. I was like, I looked at him and I said, you didn't, you didn't send free shower, did you? And he said, I did, but I use my regular deodorant because I want to smell nice. <laughs> so you, there is never, ever a question if you see a bear, whether or not he smells you. Yeah. Because he will lower his head. Those nostrils will flare. He will turn his head very slowly in the direction and then he just gone. Yep. That's he will crazy. run the direction his head is pointed and just be gone. It's crazy. And, and you know this You can, you know, that they're they're a lot like Tad. They're deaf. They can't see well, but they can smell really well. So mm-hmm. you have to just play the nose and forget about the vision. I don't actually okay. smell well either. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't smell well. <laughs> I can see well. So, you know, my smell and, and, and hearing is bad, but I can see. <laughs> okay. So that so, that's going to be a big takeaway for me, for me personally, listening to this, like I wouldn't have thought uh, some, some of this to that extreme. You know, I, I think about that if I'm setting, you know, I took, the, I took the kids out uh, for a whitetail hunt this last fall. And, and th- that was a big thing was, was the scent control because it, it, that's totally different than hunting mule deer. And I, I'm a mule deer guy from way back. That's what I grew up on. So this whitetail thing and learning this whole scent control has been kind of this newfound thing over the last, you know, four or five years for me. Um, and, and, uh, we, we, we talked about it and we worked on it. And, and so, so for bears, that's going to be an interesting thing. And, and I, that's what I want people in the audience to take away is, um, you know, don't wear Old Spice on on Friday if you're going so bear you, hunting you on hunted, Saturday. You've hunted elk, right? Occasionally, you've hunted elk. Yep. Okay, once or twice, you've you've heard about these animals. <laughs> I've heard about them. They're mythical up north, I hear. Um, they make so noise. Elk, you try and trick their nose, especially when archery hunting, or you. Well, actually, you try and make sure they don't smell you. Yeah, I don't. I don't trick them. Elk, I, I just stay out of it. Do, the, the, the due diligence of making sure it's safe that a bear will do by a thousandfold. Bears will search you out. They will circle you. And they're quiet. They don't make any noise. You don't know that they're coming. It makes your scent control for elk look pathetic. Mm-hmm. I'll bet. I'll bet. I, I, I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. You know, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, you can't you can't just move your tree stand when the wind shifts or the bear's coming in from a different spot, right? You know, you can't, you know, with elk hunting, you get to play the wind. With bear hunting, you are where you are because you can't, you know, you can't just move. 
And so you you really do have to make sure that, like I said, a lot of I I didn't hunt tree stands much before um, I hunted with Tad because I'm afraid of heights. And the the other guy I hunted with loved to put the tree stand like thirty five feet up in the air. And Jeez, that's I, know, I got a buddy yeah, Troy who does that. He he sets those tree stands super high, and I'm not I'm a roofer, and I don't want to get up that high in a tree. <laughs> yeah, and so I did the ground blind game, and I had a ground blind where it was so thick, it was seven yards when I bow hunted. It was seven yards from the bait. Now, obviously, they're gonna like come in at some angle and smell you. And so I learned just close the whole thing down, except for the one looking right at the barrel where you can shoot out of. And it sucks because you hear them coming and they're right next to you and you can hear them breathing. And I've even <laughs> had them push, I've had them push their nose into the back of the blind and, you know, bump me in my back while I'm sitting there. Um, but if you open up two windows, that air is going to pass through. And so you have to just make accommodations and take it very serious. People just don't take it as serious as they should. And the, it's the one thing that will educate a bear. Like last year, took took my son's fiance, her very first big game hunt. And we sat in the tree stand and we had two bears come in and both of them locked up in the same spot and huffed at us for the rest of the night. Mm. They knew we were there. They were staring at us, but we couldn't do anything about it. And and that's where Tad and I, that's where the, that experience comes in because we know we've seen it a thousand times because we've screwed up ourselves where those bears the next night, they'll come up to the same spot and they'll peek up at that tree stand and sniff. You know, they'll they'll circle it, but you'll see them. They come up, they'll stand on their hind legs and look up at the tree stand. Oh, wow. Crazy. I had one that would, would literally and, do it from 60 yards away. And he would sit up there, and he'd almost wave at me with his paw. <laughs> like, hey, dude, I'm over here. I mean, I, and I named the bears, so that was Ronaldo. He was <laughs> Ronaldo. He never got shot. Where did that? Where did Ronaldo come from? <laughs> we have different names for bears. They just randomly. Uh, they I mean, just randomly come. Okay, Bondi, uh, Ronaldo. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, Ronaldo right. so, is smarter than all of us. He he's still hopefully out there enjoying his life. So when that happens, now you do have to get mobile. You know, you have to do something. So that next time, we purposely kind of made a little noise coming into the bait, and it, and I kind of clang the tree stand just a little bit, and but we set up our the the ground blind about twenty thirty yards behind the tree stand. Because I knew that bear was going to come in, look at the tree stand, and and say, "Oh, they're not here," and that's that's exactly what happened. And it's funny because when when you've beat a bear, a big bear or a little bear, you know you have because they come running into that bait for the first time. You know, normally they kind of creep in, but when they look at that tree stand and they say, "Oh, that's where he was last night," and they just come running in because you're not there. And that's the funny part is sometimes some of the biggest bears are just at your bait and you have no idea where they came from or when they got there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. You know, I mean, Tad loves, Tad you, loves you'll school. be sitting there and look down and look up and there's a huge bear sitting at your bait. <laughs> like, uh, Crazy. And so that's, you just have to really pay attention the whole time. Like what's going on, what happened. And, and in the, you know, it was, Callie's first time hunting last year and so she I didn't have the opportunity to, to tell her like hey scent pre-shower 
you know, she wears makeup and perfume every day of her life. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to tell the ladies that you, you, you need, you need you know, makeup and shower because they, they go to work and, you know, yeah. want to look good for work and stuff. So, you know, or, you know, Amy, my good friend that uh, I've hunted with for years while I was, I guess I was a little bit nervous about it. Uh, once I told her she's an excellent hunter, she's like, Oh, okay. And she did it. And the next set, she got a bear. So I think, I think we've, we've, we've covered this, this scent control thing pretty good. I, I, and so for those of you listening in the audience, I mean, obviously don't, uh, again, if you're going bear hunting on Saturday, don't shower with your normal soap on Friday <laughs> and then scent or free on Saturday, <laughs> you know, you know, at all, like you, you like you were yeah. saying, um, like, like you guys said, I, I would make that recommendation. Like when it's, when it's whitetail season, um, I don't touch regular scents, uh, in terms of soaps and shampoos and all that kind of stuff, deodorants, all that. I just completely switch over and that's what I use. Uh, and, and I don't care how that smells to my customers, whatever it works out. Let's switch gears to kind of almost like a lightning round. Cause I know we're running long here. Are you guys okay on time? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I okay. got all night. <laughs> all right. Good deal. Um, I, I want to, I want to switch gears to, uh, a couple of things you had, actually, I don't remember which one of you put El Guapo as your name on this thing. That that must be Pat. That's Pat. El Guapo. Okay. Cause there's Jeff. Okay. So he's, he's yeah. Tad's a big deal in his house. Just ask him. Is he, yeah. does he drive a Dodge Stratus? I'm pretty important where I come from. I'm a big deal. I want to ask you guys with, um, when you're when you're out there and you you see a bear coming in to to your bait or let's say you're even spot and stock whatever, how do do you guys have a recommendation as to um, nuance wise or or physical fe- feature wise to identify a sow versus a boar? Uh, the, for for me, like for deer, I, I I can always spot a buck whether I can see the antlers or not. Because of the okay, way so the they carry themselves. The first comes your bait mm-hmm. is you have to say bear at least 15 times. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Because Clarify that, Because the other guy doesn't really understand that there's a bear. What? You got to go, yeah. bear, 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 So bear, you, bear. you have to see because it 15 times. It's somewhere around there, yeah. Okay. Because the other guy doesn't really understand that there's a bear. Because no one ever gets nervous when you say bear. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Yeah, that's the um, joke. That's the joke with Pat and I. Is we, even when we're both looking at the bear, we want whoever sees it first or whatever. We have to just say bear, 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 bear. My son, my son, a couple of years ago actually had to go to the bathroom, and he uh, was going in a bottle. I, I, I'm a believer in using a bottle, not peeing out the stand. Some people think you can pee out the stand, um, and I'm like bear, and he looks at me like whatever, dude. And I go, bear, 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 bear. And he just looks at me like, well, whatever. And he just keeps doing his business. And then all of a sudden the bear starts crunching on dog food. And he looks <laughs> at me and he goes, you're not even joking, are you? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he turns his head and he starts laughing. It wasn't a bear he wanted to shoot. Uh, but it, it's still funny. That No, that, yeah. Um, go ahead. So, wars and sows. Difference in them. 
younger bears up to four or five years old, it's really hard to tell. Really hard to tell. But you can with the nose is more slender. Um, On a female? Yes. Yeah. It's more of a triangle shape. Bars will have, it almost seems like a, it looks like it's shorter, but it's larger because their head's so wide. Gotcha. Um, it's, there's, once they get older, it's hard to tell, except for like Mosquito. We named one Mosquito because it was an old sow that literally had just the tiniest snout you've ever seen. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's. The, the thing, the thing I always. The thing I always look at are, yeah, the wrists um, and the, everybody thinks I'm crazy, but the hair, um, the boars, I, I've never, unless they're like two years old, I've never seen a boar with really shaggy hair. It's always like well-groomed, like all the same length. Oh, really? Um, and sows typically have kind of that longer, shaggier, you know, where it's not quite as uniform hair. Um and so I, it's funny cause I'll just see hair and be like, pretty sure that's a boar, but I always look at the wrists. Um, a sow is built to have the kids, you know, the cubs. Mm-hmm. So her back legs, her hips are bigger and she's tiny up front. And okay. the boars are built to kind of fight and show off. So their front legs are always, you know, proportionally much larger and they kind of just go straight down all the way to their feet. And those sows typically kind of start out a little big, but then they, you know, they'll have these dainty little wrists and they just up seem front. to use their, yeah, up front. And so, you know, everybody has kind of their, you know, when you, when you've seen a ton of bears, you kind of have your own thing that you go to and it's not, it's not always rock solid, but um, the face is always a kind of a giveaway, but, it, for me, it's those wrists and the hair and the way they walk into the bait. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. if you see a big boar walk into the bait and he's pigeon toed and his toes are pointing in, you, 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 you're going to know it's a big boar. Okay. Yeah. The sows don't pigeon toe ever. My, my biggest concern is, especially when it comes to baiting, um, is I, I, I do like, think of it this way. A, Sal comes in and she's got her cubs, you know, kind of stowed away somewhere in the rear where you can't see. And, and you know how they kind of, they, they give us this, this thing where the the cubs know when it's okay to come to where mom's at. Yeah. Um, you know, what if I, I, I would, I would be, I'm like terrified that I would get so excited and I'm like looking around. I don't see any, I don't see any cubs. I don't see any cubs. I don't see any cubs. We're good to go and open fire kind of thing. And then come to find out it was, it was a sow with cubs that, that terrifies me. In fact, that's one, that's been one of my hesitations with getting overly involved in bear hunting. And maybe I'm just, you know, I'm wrong for having that mentality, but, but for, for, for me, that's always terrified me. So I've always been big on trying to figure out how to identify, uh, because, because like I can always tell from, from, from a distance the way that a that a buck deer, whether it's a mule deer or a whitetail, I can always tell, and I'm I'm like pretty f- accurate with it. I can always tell when it's a buck. Okay, so, so the first thing with that is good for you. Always be terrified of that. 
Because yeah, I am, what man. I'm saying I is am. That you're, you're ethical yeah. about making sure that you're going to shoot the right animal. And that's one of the things that baiting offers you is that you have the time. They don't run in and go, I got to bite a dog food and run off. 99% of the time. I mean, I have had the bagel stealers that run in, grab bagel and run off. But usually <laughs> those are smaller bears. Yeah. And, and they're adorable yeah. when they do that. I mean, it's really fun to watch bears. That's the best, one of the best things in the world. And it's Jeff and I have watched, I don't know how many bears over the years. And literally until last year, we've never killed a bear together. Oh, really? I didn't know because, that. Really. Yep, yep. We don't care. It's not high on our list of things to do. And last year we said, you know what? Let's do it. And we happened to do it in the same night. Oh, so, yeah. But worrying about that is a great thing. Because you don't want to kill a salad with cubs. You, you will know. That's where cubs come in pretty quick. Yeah, and that's where the go ahead, Jeff. Saying you have wonderful ethics about it, don't shoot if you don't know. Yeah, I I won't, and I won't because if if I if I accidentally kill a sow with cubs and I don't know those cubs are around, I'm catching those cubs and I'm raising them, and I'm going to make sure. (laughs) You you know what I mean? I I want a videotape of you catching those cubs. You're going to see it, man. I'll I, uh, I I will catch them, and. A month later, they they are gonna love me. I, I've always I've always wanted a pet bear, and I you know it never happened. But you know, I hope get, you like hickeys. Yeah, you'll get you'll get better at it as you go along. And like Tad said, you don't have to shoot. You know, it's um, and I understand you get excited. You really do. Mm-hmm. And um, every bear when you're new at baiting looks huge <laughs> and and so you do you're like oh my god a giant bear right there you yeah, know and it's, yeah. it walks up yeah. to the face you know and that's why we use barrels really is you know if if they only come up halfway up the barrel don't you know don't shoot it if you're looking for a trophy bear um but that's where the game cameras come into handy you know it's it's not helping us kill bears it's helping us kill the right bear the right bear the that's board. a great point jeff and because you'll get to know those bears and you'll trust me, it's like deer too. You'll, you'll have them named. You'll, you'll be like, Oh, there's the sow, you know, the six thirty sow, you know, where she comes in, you recognize a spot on her chest or a nick in her ear or something. And then, and she's by herself. And then all of a sudden at seven o'clock, you know, a bear comes in. Well, it's the same sow, but now she has her cubs, you know, she comes in, mm. eats, so she can get hers and then she brings the kids back so they can have theirs and she can kind of watch over. Um, and that type of stuff happens. And that's where that game camera is really important in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it's not helping anybody kill a bear on a bait. If you sit there long enough, you're going to get one. It's just, it prevents that type of stuff from happening. Um, and that's why I'm always a proponent of keeping the game cameras as is. Yeah. Um, for yeah, that I, reason, I would totally it really does. It really does save those incidental problems that could arise. And, and that's where baiting and hound hunting are a huge, huge factor in making sure that you're not killing a sow with cubs. Uh, most of the hound hunters I know actually really are more into uh, the trium and freedom. So, yeah, I, I mean, spot and stock, those. Cubs could be up a tree fifty yards away and you'll never know it. They they say say the yardage again. 
50, 100, 200 oh, gotcha. yards away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, so, and, and you guys, you guys, you know, I, I think some of these questions that I'm asking you guys, you know, they might seem a little elementary. They're like, okay, man, what are you talking about? Why are you asking me that? Um, I, I'm, I'm a guy that's seen a lot of bears in the woods, but I, I haven't spent a lot of time hunting bears. You know what I mean? Right. And especially when it comes to, uh, baiting. Uh, so, so that is to say, like, I, I know very specific nuances of elk and deer and, and, uh, you know, some other game species, but with bears, I, I just feel so out of place and uh, unprepared. Yeah. You, you know, you, it's just one of those things I want to overcome. If that makes sense. Yeah. So switching, yeah. switching a little bit to the discussion of, I've heard you guys talk about in terms of bait, uh, dog food a few times. Uh, can, can we just spend, you know, again, we've been going at this for like an hour and a half here. Um, can we spend a little bit of time about talking about what kind of bait you guys use? Uh, because I want to make the one thing that I've noticed and it's my fault for not explaining this right, but, but like when I buy Batum 907 products or something like that, those are attractants. That's not the actual bait that that is exactly. is being consumed by the bear those are those are the attractants and it's a very important aspect of it and you need that but um what are you guys putting in the barrel uh besides the attractants from like Batum 907 or some of the other companies out there well a lot of times we start out with the the smart asses that we run into in the woods we put them in the bait in the barrel first yeah and they um, so when you do that do times. you make sure that they are de-soaped from Irish spring and uh, sprayed down with some nonsense, or are you just putting them in there raw? <laughs> well, no. So we use sardine oil. Ooh, that's a Where good I one. Pick that up off. Yeah, I yeah. got that off of a, a Netflix docu series <laughs> last year. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> no. So and that's what a lot of people I think don't it's understand. American, right? <laughs> that's what a lot of people don't understand is attractants get the bears there. But it'll only get them there, you know, once each bear. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to have something there that they like and that they want to come back for. They have to, and a lot of people like raw or you know rotten fish or rotten meat. Dad and I are on the same page. We don't want to sit there and smell rotten meat all day. We just we don't, and so we don't hunt with meat or you know rot the carp or anything like that. Bears know that sugar turns to fat. That's why they hit the berries so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen a lot more bears eating berries than I have ever, you know, fish or, or game meat. And so we like to keep things sweet. You know, Jess has stuff that sweetens up the dog food. Um, bears diet actually consists of about 3% meat. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so Jess has some, uh, some super, super sweet powder. And it sweetens up whatever you put it on and it tastes, you know, like blueberry or whatever. Oh, and that stuff, so, you just kind of, you, you could, you could just pay, basically powder the, either whether you're using dog food or popcorn, just put that on there. They, yeah. they, I've never been a fan of popcorn. How just come? on the idea that you spend so much time popping popcorn and it rains on it and it's just not a filler. Well, popcorn. Let me, let me ask you this because, because, um, I'm kind of on the popcorn train, but again, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So that, that this is why I've got you guys on. 
my thought was popcorn because the price point is a lot cheaper and it, it seems like it's a lot lighter to climb. You know, where I'm setting a barrel is going to be a good couple of miles from any road. And I, the thought of tracking, or I'm sorry, uh, hauling dog food on my back two miles up a, you know, this is, this is, this isn't wimpy South Idaho stuff we're talking. We're yeah. in North Idaho up here. Oh, right? my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hey, probably have You know what? Mother's Day weekend, why don't you come down and we'll have you pack some bait for us. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see which wimpy Southern Idaho stuff you you. We're not hunting. Uh, we're not hunting this Southern Idaho flatlander stuff up here. I mean, <laughs> popcorn. Popcorn is like Dad said. It's not a great filler. It is great option for guys that like to hike in super, you know, deep. Um, it's it's just that it a bear will eat a bunch and then it's not, you know, it's still hungry. You know, you know, it's I we we like to carry stuff that um, you know think outside of the box sometimes stuff that they really get addicted to, you know, and that fills them up and that they want it, you know, the next day they're like, man, I really need to get back to that bait. So, so even last have, year, Jeff made a discovery um, yeah. using something that we tried and we tried it with our buddy Frank. And it was funny to see the reaction of the bears and how it changed everything. And it was literally sugar. Yeah, Jim, we won't charge for this advice, but but it was earth shattering. <laughs> Literally, we would put it in one barrel and not the other, and the barrel with sugar in it would be empty before the other one got touched. Man, that is interesting. That is super cool. So, okay, you're hauling dog food. Is that is that what I'm gathering, you guys? We dog food. We have peanut butter. We have some juju stuff. I mean, whatever we can get in bulk. We get a lot of it. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, we used to be able to get Power Bar. My God, that was the best stuff ever. I'll bet. I'll bet, yeah. You know, yeah, the, yeah. Donut, the donut shops, I don't like bread in general. Um, mm-hmm. But donuts, you know, are very sweet. And if you can get stuff for free, you know, that people are tossing out or, you know, a local store, you know, where the dog food bags are ripped open. Um, or if you scour Facebook groups or whatever, you'll see people that have, you know, bulk bait, you know, and like Tad said, there was a guy selling, you know, five gallon buckets of peanut butter and it was a pain in the rear to get it into the barrel and stuff. But man, it, it sure, you want to find stuff that keeps the bears there, but they can't just eat real fast and take off. And so dog food is notorious for being something they have to just grab, you know, a handful at a time and then eat, um, my other favorite thing is the sweet feed, you know, the, the triple yep. rolled oats. Um, it's cheaper than dog food and it's rolled in molasses. Oh so yeah. I great. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 You can get it for yeah, you know, whether like your horse or llama kind of, kind of feed. Yep. 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 yep, yep, yep. And that, that stuff's very inexpensive and easy to pack. Yeah. And, easy uh, to pack. and we always use a little bit of grease. It's a great attractant, you know, like restaurant, you know, the liquid grease the used stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a great attractant, but the bears will actually, you know, slurp down on it as well. Actually, because and that's they, something we haven't touched on either is the grease. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So, so Okay. So grease, as far as restaurant grease, fire grease, um, really is a huge factor. So when you're baiting bears, the goal is to attract them. 
So when they come in, put grease in front of the barrel. And when they step in it, they walk off. And then another bear crosses that path and smells like grease and follows it to the barrel. Mm -hmm. So you create basically spokes going out from where every bear has left of a scent trail. So putting grease in front of the barrel and using grease around the bait is huge. Okay. And what, what, what do you mean? So you're, you're putting it, you've got your bait barrel, right? And, yep. and then like you, you're talking about putting the grease in like a radius around the barrel outside of the barrel. Is that what you're saying? Right in front, of, in front of the barrel. Okay. And, and just a, like a logistical note. So a guy gets a, a, a 55 gallon drum, right. With a lid. Yes. Um, yep. and, and you can see, I'm thinking about like welding this, uh, this stop plate thing inside. So that not all the, let's say I'm using dog food is down there available. At, like it has to come out slowly. Does that make sense? Yeah. We yeah. have a couple prototypes going kind of this year that Jeff and a few of our friends have been working on. Are you going to go on like uh, shark tank with that prototype kind of no. thing or no, no, but we'll give you the info on it if it works. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll yeah. let you know. I appreciate works. that. Because the problem is that if you, if you put dog food in there, all of a sudden the, uh, uh, and, and we have this on camera, the bear reaches in there, you know, breaks open the seal and hits the jackpot and everything comes pouring out. <laughs> then you end up with crows eating everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just like well, I just fed fifty stupid crows. <laughs> so we put we put a little grease in the barrel in the bottom, and the dog food soaks it up. Um, and you can sweeten it with the sugar and stuff too. Um, and then we we pour a lot of it right in front of the barrel so that they have to stand in it. And then basically they're advertising for us because as bears love bear country right Mm -hmm. where you find one bear typically you find multiple bears whatever food source or whatever they have is drawing more of them in and so they go and they do their little bear trails through all the thick stuff and down to the water and up to their bed and around to feed and everything else well another bear comes by and smells his trail and he follows it back into the bait and now he gets it on him and he goes out and does his stuff and creates new trails so they go out and they just basically are creating trails, scent trails yeah. back to the base. Advertising. Have you ever gotten that? Have you yep. ever gotten that liquid grease on you? Mm-hmm. you oh yeah. You can't, you can't get it out of your clothes. You can't get it off. Have you ever skin. got it in the back of your truck? Oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't get me started because it's still yeah. there. If you have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It will never, ever, ever leave it's the always back there. of your truck. Yep. 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 And <laughs> I actually, a lot of guys hate the grease, or now it's really hard to find because companies buy it. And they lock it up, you know, um, and they make their biodiesel or whatever they're doing with it. Um, and so I actually did a video on YouTube several years ago. I, I set up a bait in a brand new area, never been there. And I didn't use any grease. I just used Jess's products because she has a, what's called a drip drag yep, oil. I've got it. And, yep. And so I actually poured that in front of the barrel. And I put the sweet stuff on the dog food. I set up a bear bait without ever being there before and without a drop of oil of grease. And five days later, my son shot a bear. Um, And it was the greatest like experiment ever because it was like, okay, 
Well, now we know we can pick a spot and we don't have to have grease. I do like the grease. Um, it's just, you know, it's free, it's cheap, but the stuff she makes is, is very strong and it's a great, great way to get it things started. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you can't emphasize enough getting that scent everywhere. Okay. Okay. When you're, when you're hauling, I want to go back to this dog food topic real quick. When, when you're hauling dog food to the barrel, first of all, actually, let, let's pause that. I'll come back to that. How are, how are, <laughs> how are you guys hauling the barrel from the truck to the bait site? Do you remember earlier when I mentioned Jeff's strong young son? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we just tell him he can't do it. And he does. A couple of workhorses. Yeah, no, Taylor, that's Taylor, that's too heavy. You can't carry that all at once. <laughs> and and my, you my youngest is, is now rent? at that point, too. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's an amazing young man. He, he, you, you rent him out, right? For a, for a nominal fee? Yep, yeah. He's you a, can haul my barrel. Yeah, sometimes he's... He sometimes he's our mule that we rent out, and sometimes he's jackass. Because so. <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking about I'm like thinking of ways to strap it to my pack and try to get it up there, no. you know. But I got uh, I don't know. I always joke around about you know North Idaho, uh, South Idaho kind of thing. You know, it's it's still Idaho. Idaho is just steep, nasty country, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to how to fi- uh, get that barrel to this particular spot I know. Um, where I just, I just happen to know there's a, there's a ton of bears in this area. Uh, so my, my first question is always this. Do you have a lot of crows up there? Ravens? Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. I do. Cause that, that's actually the determining factor if I even put a barrel out or not. Cause yes. some of my baits, I don't even put a barrel out. Oh really? Um, yep. Because there's, there's no yeah. birds. So and the one, bait we have, out, you know, yeah, the one bait we have has an ungodly number of crows yeah and they will eat half your bait oh i don't want to deal with that no so that's so and you you nailed it you get it get a pack frame where you can and we do this we and you ratchet strap the barrel to to your pack frame and don't put anything in it because as as light as it kind of feels at first it it really wears down on you because it's you know dragging through the brush it's pulling back on you it, you know, that, that 20, 30 pounds, it feels like at first ends up feeling like a hundred pounds mm-hmm. by the time you get to where you're going. Yeah. And so, and all I can say is ratchet strap the hill out of it because when it falls off on the side of a steep hill, I would be we, pissed. Man. We've I, used I, garden I, carts. We've used, uh, actually one of the things we use a lot now are the, uh, jet sleds. So oh, that's a good idea, Tad. Because I, I I was thinking yeah, of using yeah. my ice fishing sled. Be, uh, you know, that's what we use. Yeah, that's what we use. Okay, and okay. Our good, good buddy Eddie. Good to know. Our good buddy Eddie rode a cart down the mountain once. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, it was quite comical. He really was helping out a lot, and that was a that was a good hunt for for uh, for a guy. But uh, yeah, he he crashed it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, I can I can but, see me yeah. doing that, man. Strapping my strapping my barrel to my pack, and then it coming loose and just rolling down some freaking you know canyon that's ten miles down. I'd be done. I'd be done. I'd go. I'd go down and yeah. fetch we, that barrel. I'd I'd set it up on the road. I'd go get my truck and I'd load it up. I'd be like, you know what? 
shit on this bear hunting thing. I, I, I'll stick to elk hunting. Well, I did even the worst one time because I spilled, what was it, 10 gallons, Tad, of bait. Oh, yes. I, I, my, I had a jet sled, and we were going down the trail, and it popped off the edge. And the, the buckets came open with all of our bait. Oh, no. And so the, we had to wait for that bait to be gone um, because the bears were eating out before they came to our bait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, so, and the biggest thing of everything with the baiting is you really got to just laugh at where you mess up and learn from it. I, yeah. I got a question for you. I mean, we, we have, Jeff and I have had so many times that we sit there and go, oh, man, we screwed this up. Yeah, and I'm right, I'm good at that. I, I'm really good at that. I, I'm, I'm worried that, that some people listening to this are, they, they, I don't know, they take it too serious, man. And I spent my first 10 years of bear baiting doing it wrong. <laughs> well, good to know. Good to know. Not doing it right. Because you've killed a lot and, of bear. I've actually, no, I haven't killed a lot of bear. I've helped a lot of people kill bears. I don't shoot bears. Same thing. Like, like I've said, uh, I, I've helped a lot of people get bears, but I, I just enjoy helping other people more. Yeah. I could, I could tell just, you know, we're, we're friends on, uh, on Facebook. And I, th- I think I follow you on, on Instagram too, where, it, you know, you guys, you guys are both that way too, where, um, you do a lot of super sarcastic, hilarious things. And, but you also do this, like there's a, the serious side, right. Where you guys, uh, are, are serious about mentoring other hunters. Um, you, well, you take the, Jeff, the epic, what's that? Uh, did Jeff get serious on me at he, some point? Dude, Jeff, Jeff's been <laughs> su- super serious this entire podcast. Dude, I'm yeah. a little pissed off. Me too. I yeah. I, all the time. Me too. <laughs> you know well, we, we, we like to laugh that we we screw around all the time literally all the time mm-hmm. uh, but somehow we kill stuff yeah yeah there's there's not a there's not a five minute period go by when we're hunting that we're not screwing off i mean they're just you know playing jokes on each other i saw i saw your guys a video where you're sitting something. in a you're sitting in a stand or one of those blinds uh, I think you were, you guys were hunting pronghorn. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was, that was, that was a classic. Yep. That was pretty good. We've Speaking actually had a lot of requests to do more of that. So we may, we may try that in the bear stand. You maybe. should, you should yeah. try it. It's pretty entertaining. I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I think, uh, I think but, a lot of but people life should be about having fun. It should be about helping other people. Do you guys, um, do you guys want to talk everyone about goes, that? Uh, Tad, do you want to expand everybody on Everybody thinks that, uh, we do this because we're selfless. Everyone thinks we do it because we're selfless, but realistically it's the most selfish thing we ever do because we get to see somebody experiencing something for the first time and being successful. Yeah. Um, helping people out. Uh, our, our friend Philip and his daughter, he still hasn't shot a bear because, you know, he's not a good hunter. But apparently his daughter's <laughs> a much better hunter than he is. <laughs> and it, it, it's just so fun to be able to help. It's there. There's a lot to be said on on the aspect of like the full the everybody talks about the fulfillment aspect of hunting, right? And, and that's a big deal for me. Um, fulfillment is a, is a, is a big part of it. And I, I find myself as my girls get older, 
and I'm, I'm able to take them out more and they get to experience more. And I see those golf ball sized eyeballs when, when this thing happens, you know, these things come together, this buck walks into right where we wanted it. And, and all of a sudden we're walking up on this buck and we're putting a tag on it. And, and they're seeing the whole process of, of it getting broken down and butchered and put into the freezer. And, and we're making, my wife's making these Swedish meatballs out of it or something like that. You know, um, people, I think, underestimate the value of that fulfillment. Yes. And it, you know, it gives kids confidence. Um, oh, yeah. Because they, yep. they know they did it. You know, they did something and it was a great experience. And that's the thing is we have, we always try and make sure that no matter what, if you don't get a bear, no big deal. You know, we had fun. We always make sure, you know, yep. probably, probably to a fault, but we try and make sure kids are, you know, giggling the whole time if they're sitting <laughs> on the bear bait. And because you want them to, you don't want to re- them to remember like, well, I, I was told to, you know, shut up, be quiet for two hours. And then I shot a bear and then it was all done. You know, you want yeah. them to, to, to look back and say, man, I was giggling the whole time. And then all of a sudden my heart was beating out of my chest and, you know, and I shot this bear and, and we always, you know, make, let him try and carry it and think, you know, I packed that out. I shot it and packed it out. And, you know, I, we always let our kids skin everything and, um, well, we and, get yelled at by Kylie. Yeah. My, my daughter actually <laughs> gets really upset if I try and help her skin anything. Like yeah, Sam's the same way. So. And if I, nice. if I'm doing anything other than just holding a leg, then I'm in trouble. She just has, she insists she does it herself. And she, she and Sam have been that way their whole lives. Just let me do it, you know? And so, and it gives them confidence and it, it, you see it, you know, progress throughout their, their lives as they're doing more and more stuff. And at first you're, you're, you're offended because you're like, no, I want to help you. And then you realize that you've done a good job as a parent. Yeah. Giving them and the confidence to do it themselves. It's just nothing like it. And it, it, it's very fulfilling. Um, Actually, the best thing is when they cook it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and great point. So seriously, they, seriously, great they point. Put food on the table yep. for you. Yep. We made we made they some venison burgers this last fall after after we got our deer together and 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 all that and uh there that it takes it from the process. They saw the deer alive. They saw the deer skinned out. Yep. They saw the deer butchered. They saw it packaged, and now they're making something with it. You, you know the whole process. Now, now I've got these kids that are lifelong hunters. They they understand the ethics side of it. They understand the sportsman side of it. They understand the challenge and and the whole package that is hunting, right? And and that is an important aspect of what we do. And I think that that's why people fall so hard. Uh, when we're talking about this, this love for hunting, and I hate to use some cheesy line like that, but, but it is the, it's, it's such an experience that embodies the, 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 the encompassing thing of, of, uh, the human nature, if that makes sense. I sound like a damn yes. professor, but, um, that, that's what it is. No, you don't. And, You're not that smart. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> like, how? <laughs> no. You're an elk hunter. Your IQ is about 85. <laughs> yeah, very true. I never, I never claimed to have an I, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, a high IQ. But And uh, you're also a riffer, so it's probably down there 75. Uh, like, I mean, that's even pushing it, man. I mean, I can't even, I, I wear cowboy boots because I don't know how to tie my shoes. Let's, let's get real. So... God, we are we, we're brothers from another mother. 
Um, can you guys share with the audience real quick, uh, before we wrap this up, what, what your favorite recipe is for bear? Um, the cedar plank. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sea salt. My, <laughs> my, uh, I, I love bear burger. Like I love bear burgers. Um, so I eat a lot of, you know, I have it ground up into burger. Mm -hmm. They add a little, you know, the, the butcher, um, if I take it to a butcher, which a lot of times I do, cause in the springtime, I'm just not in that mode of processing game animals and, you know, having everything out. And so I know that's I'll take amazing. it to a local guy and, and, and I don't make the pepperoni stuff. So I take it to a guy, Andy, and, um, he, you know, he makes fantastic, you know, pepperoni, and you know the beef sticks and but bear burger is one of my favorite things you're, you're talking just um, so we're clear get your meat llc so our, down there right yes yes yeah. and, yeah. Yep. and so even this weekend we were enjoying uh some some uh, so, uh salami that he had made out of an elk that i shot last fall oh nice man I, that's great oh my god it's good it's addicting you like yeah you don't and, want, I, I, I've got to wrap it in individual in. packages, not three next year, because Fantastic. you open it up and you eat it all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's just done a fa fantastic job with it. Oh, yeah. And and Andy's been so, on the show, so I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah. yeah so, and he did a, uh, so what was it? Last year, I had him do a couple things. I had him experiment with me, uh, which he did. Uh, and dad did what a lot was, of experimenting in college too. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that, but yeah, and Jeff still thinks his kids are his. But, you know. <laughs> 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 Whoa! Yeah, and dad's dad's got Cujo going on over there. What what happened? That's my grip. She's ferocious. Yeah, she sounds like <laughs> she's pretty ferocious. But, uh, I, I did have him make up some uh, that I requested. And it's good, but a little weird for bear. Uh, but the the uh, sage regular breakfast sausage, oh my god, it's delicious too. So he's done a really good job with butchering. I need to borrow Andy <laughs> if I get a bear this year because I don't know that my uh, the I I I butcher my own meat for the most part, but I don't know what I'm doing with a bear, so I don't I don't want to touch it. Uh, I'll take that. Oh, he does yeah, a good job. Yeah, he does and, it, and you can do like you know treat it treat it like pork too you know if you take a roast uh -huh. and you know crock pot it or smoke it till it you know pulls yes. apart Ooh. um because we do that too do like pulled pork with it and then you know add the Our roasts are pretty and, um, amazing uh so okay. you can you can treat it a lot like the pork it's not my favorite thing to eat like just as a steak because it's kind of a dense kind of rich meat mm -hmm. um so we always find those ways. It's bears a great thing to get, you know, that you don't want to take, you know, a whole elk and have it made into jerky. Cause you, I don't, because I love elk meat, you know, just the way it tastes. And yeah, so bears a great way to, you know, you, you do the things like the pepperoni and Andy makes a maple uh, breakfast sausage. That's tastes like, you know, little maple syrup with your, you know, with your sausage. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. Good. Um, yeah. So it's the fun stuff to, to test. That's that's what's fun about it is mm -hmm. test it out. You know, try all different kinds of things. It, it, it's kind of fun to be be able to also promote some guys that have done such a good job and contribute to 
Uh, Andy also donates to a lot of the sportsman organizations around here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jess also helps out with everything she can. It, it, Jess uh, is like, I, I feel like Jess is too giving sometimes. And, and, uh, and Andy, you know, you know, there's a lot of people that I've, I've had on my show and I, I, I could tell when they're not putting their money where their mouth is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Andy's very uh, modest. Uh, yes, and he doesn't, he doesn't believe in himself exactly. as much as he's working. Exactly, and, and and I don't know if it's he's he's like got this this modest and and shyness to him, where yeah, Jess and, and Matt is, is okay. Jess is absolutely humble, mm-hmm. but incredibly wise and, and just an amazing person. Yeah, yeah, she's she literally is the most giving person. Yes. You know, to a fault, like you said. Uh, yeah, to a fault. Yeah. She, I, I don't know when she sleeps. Uh, right. Know, uh, exactly. Difference. Exactly. It, like, I just want to. I mean, it's just. I, I just, I remember a few years back, somebody was like, he, he, I, I was telling a hunting story about something that had happened over, you know, wh- whatever the fall season was. I don't, I don't remember. And they're like, oh, it sounds like you're hunting like a girl. Call Jess Gann and say that. Because. She, yeah. <laughs> like, like, call <laughs> Jess Gann and say that. that. You hunt like a girl, like she'll whoop your ass. I, I don't want to hear it. And so it's just interesting. And, and especially actually she wouldn't whoop your ass. She just out, hunt. she just out hunt you. And that's whooping your ass. Yeah, you know, right. and so, she knows what she's doing. Oh man. Yeah. She, she teaches us stuff. And, and that's my favorite part of, of, of doing a podcast like this and, and talking to, you know, people like you guys, you guys inspire the hell out of me. And, and Jess, she inspires the hell out of me. And, and, uh, Andy, he inspires the hell out of me and Scott Schmid and all these people that I get on the show. Um, and, and so you had Alex Wagner on there. Yeah. Alex, about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And now I actually, I talked to him last night and he was, he was talking about yeah. having you on. And, um, and so, <laughs> so I, I told him, I sent him a sweatshirt and, and I sent it to the wrong person. So I had a couple of Alex's in my did system. Did you send him like an extra small? Because he's a tiny little fellow. I did. It was a triple XL extra small. And uh, he said, as long as he doesn't flex, it shouldn't rip. And we should be in good <laughs> shape. So. I mean, yeah. He keeps sending <laughs> flex, but he doesn't know how to bear bait. So we're good. <laughs> no, nah, it's just uh, everybody's just, they're, they're just, so, just such great people. Like we were talking about how er- incredible everybody is in the roofing industry and everything. But you know, if you, if you, if you know, it has a lot of great people. It does. It does. It really does. It does. And so um, for you guys, not a lot of egos, not a lot of people that need, feel like they need to be the coolest person on earth. You always have that everywhere you go. Except for Jeff Morris, that guy. Jesus. Yeah. He is the coolest guy. On earth, yeah. For sure. He's a dick. He, he really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to leave that at that. But uh, I want. <laughs> well, Jim, I'll just tell you that the secret to to getting good at bear hunting, you know, it, they say like it takes a village to raise a kid. Well, it takes a village to raise you know the world's best bear hunter mm-hmm. like myself. Um, <laughs> it you have to have. It really did support. take a lot to teach him his shit. Yeah, you, you have to have a good support network. And so everybody asks, like, geez, how do you go hunting so much? Because, you know, when it's bear season, I'm going, you know, after work two, three, four times a day or a week because I don't like to bear hunt on the weekends too much. Um, People see you walking into your bait or, you know, shed hunters or mushroom pickers. Yeah. They 
I just I hate being there because there's so much going on. I just prefer not to be out yeah, there. Yeah, I, so I never we do a lot weekend, of our weekends, man. Yeah, and so everybody's like, man, how do you how do you hunt so much? And the key is is the good friends because I go hunting and Tad is nice enough to just not go sometimes because you know he goes over to my house and and helps my wife with a lot of things. You know, she's she he seems to keep her. You know, we're I don't have a lot of honeydews when I get back. Um, she's, she seems really happy. You know, she's not <laughs> mad that I was gone and I see where this is going. She does. She's always really tired <laughs> afterwards, but I, you know, whatever I, I get to go hunting a lot. And Dad just, if you need that gun to help you around your house, I can get you more hours in the woods. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tad just hasn't hunted much lately, but I've been able to go a lot, and my wife just doesn't even seem to notice. And it's really cool because he shares when he's successful, he shares the meat with me, so it's really good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you guys are a ball! I need to get you back on the show. We're we're running super long on this one. Um, my yeah. episodes never go two hours, and apparently, we just we just have too much fun. So, um, well, you know, if I, we need to do more, we're gonna and, and be less serious. Yes. Yeah. Well, well no, 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 no. I'm not saying less serious. Not at all. I, I'm saying we are, we, you guys, you, oh, be, between the two of you. We, we can't be less serious. Oh, I see. I Maybe I mistook that backwards. I don't want to be more serious. I want to be less serious and just have, have a good time. <laughs> and, and so, um, I, I, uh, I did that backwards, but that's just, you know, I, I told you my IQ is uh is is lower than the the average average bear out there but you are a roofer. I'm a roofer and it shows it shows but I want you guys to know yeah. that well, uh I from from my perspective watching you guys I, I look up to you guys I think that there is so much to you. learn from you guys uh you have a lot to offer you guys are humble you have fun you don't take it too serious uh and and you notch tags and you, and you just have fun while doing it and you guys have a great friendship and it's like, you know, it's, it, it creates a lot of envy for, for a lot of people. And, and I just, I appreciate what you guys do. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I hate cutting it so, off. Jim, if you do have any uh, questions from listeners mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that to further it, Jeff and I, I'm going to speak for him because, you know, I can't uh, if just, you know, hit us up. We'll answer whatever we can to try and help you. That's good to know. Yeah. If it's, I, if it's setup questions or, you know, we get a ton of the, you know, man, I had this big bear coming in, but he's never there when I'm there. And Tad and I always know the answer immediately, but it's like, well, it's send us ton of your setup. You no, know, no, send us I, setup I, I, and, I was quiet. No, it smelled you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you have questions, Jim, when you're setting up your bait for the first I'm time getting, and whatever, um, and don't ever, don't ever hesitate because the other thing is, is, you know, people panic or, you know, they don't want to change something or, you know, whatever. Um, you just have to go for it. You know, we have changed things mid season so many times. Gotcha. And it's always been for the better. Uh, one, one quick question. I, so I got to tell you, I, I am doing a, because I told you earlier, my house is on the market. I am doing podcasting marathon today. Um, so I, I've got a hard break here, but I, I want to ask, when do you guys recommend getting your bait barrels set up? Like time of year. Do you have, do you, have you had mentioned yeah. Mother's Day. Oh. Yeah. Tad likes Mother's Day. Um, 
I like, I used to go out as soon as I could, you know, I was the guy digging the snow out and putting the bait out. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that the bears didn't really show up and they weren't serious about eating for a couple weeks. Anyways. Um, the last two weeks of the season are always our best two weeks of the season. Now, um, when you so, say last two weeks, Jeff, are you in into the units you guys are hunting? Because some of the units up here in like uh, end of May, some units in mid June, other units in uh, end of June. What what is end of season for you guys? It's every whatever it is because our unit used to be till June fifteenth, and the last and those last two weeks, the first through the fifteenth, were the best. Okay. Okay. Um, now it's open through June 30th and those two weeks last year were our best two weeks. Um, Good to know. It just seems That's like the important. more that time goes on, the more that time goes on and everything, the more, you know, comfortable they get. And they, the rut brings in new bears and then they're starving after the rut. So they hang out and eat. Um, and it sounds odd. And I know you're in a hurry, but we our best days on the bait have been the hottest days on the bait. Really, you know, we don't. Really, if, if yes. the wind's blowing, if the wind's blowing or it's Rain raining, bad, well we stay. don't. We just don't go. But those days where it's eighty-five degrees and everybody's like, "Oh, those black bears won't be out till dark." That's when you show up. You know, you get there at three in the afternoon and there's already a bear on the bait. That's some serious um, inside information right there. I would have never thought that. Yeah. yeah so I just tell people days. like, yeah, don't don't get burned out on those cold, windy days. Don't go be a tough guy. Yeah. Just wait. So what do wait. you want to do on a cold day? Well, curl up in a ball and be warm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we do have camera footage of, of a bear sin on those days. Random. But yeah, no, it's uh, the warm days. Last year, we did get one bear on a freezing cold day, but that was because my son was tougher than me. <laughs> Good deal. And those real windy days, bears don't, you know, most animals don't like wind because they can't hear or smell anything. Um, so we just, we just flat out don't do it. And there's been times where we get to a debate and realize it's really windy and we just turn around and go home. We don't even try. Huh. Yep. Okay. No well, point. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket because I I would have thought vice versa for some reason when I, when I, when we're talking about predator any kind of predator hunting that's that's kind of always my go to thing so that's good to hear. Um, guys, thanks a bunch for coming on the show. So, like legitimately, I, I I really appreciate it. I, I I would love to do this. So while we're still recording, can I get it on record that you guys will agree to come back on the show? Yes. Okay. At least I got one yes. Tad, do I have to do it, Jeff? Tad, I need I need to know. I, I got to have an answer. Just say yes. Do I do it with Jeff? <laughs> we can do it either way. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> of course. Anytime, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys, again. Um, Tad Sherman and Jeff Morris. These guys are legends in the in the state of Idaho. Everybody, Western hunter-wise, can, can learn a lot from these guys. I appreciate you guys joining me. Um, I'm looking forward to doing it again and good luck to everybody out there bear hunting, man. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.